Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Super Show, where after an incredibly long hiatus, we are back to usher in a new year. That's right. It's our first show of 2024, and how exciting it is to be back in front of you. I hope you all had a wonderful break, however it is you choose to celebrate, and are ready to spend the next hour or two breaking down all the reasons that there are to be excited for games in 2024. And believe me, there are plenty. And also, wave goodbye to 2023, the first year as far as I'm aware uh, since, I think, like 2000, to not feature um, Waluigi. So um, pretty stinky, pretty stinky, if you ask me. But more importantly than that, it's a year that my co-host thinks will not be remembered as one of the best years of video games of all time. That is, of course, Mr. Alex Jones. Defend yourself, sir. Did you not play Baldur's Gate 3? Did you not have sex with a bear? What a strange way to throw me under the bus in 2024. No, it was fresh in my mind. It was fresh in my mind. Uh, no, it's, it, that is fair. That is something I do think. I, I'm, I think we talked about it briefly before the pod. I think we'll need to wait a few years. But I think on balance, I'm going to say it... 2023 will not make the top five best years for video games and i know that is strong because some people have said that it is up there in like the top three i'm tempted to say it's going to be in the lower half of the tens as well i'm saying like eight and nine maybe it maybe it'll be down there but we'll find out somewhere out there on the internet is a person who spent three thousand hours making a working calculator in tears of the kingdom (laughs) and they are weeping right now um also, I will say, important clarification for anyone that doesn't know, he deleted the VODs, but Jonesy was one of those people that live-streamed the Game Awards, and when Game of the Year didn't go to Spider-Man 2, he started openly crying. Um, I think again, weeping is more accurate. I think weeping, not just Sobbing, crying. maybe? There were some sobs. There were some sobs. No, no, I, I, hey, I was, um, I was rooting for a surprise final uh, last-minute entry in Hogwarts Legacy was going to win Game of the Year. So um, there we go. Yeah, although I think, according to some Twitter accounts, uh, uh, which is is about as unofficial as it gets when it comes to breaking news on a podcast, Hogwarts Legacy may have ended up being the best-selling game of the year confirmed. I think it reached... And the most searched for as well, isn't it? Yeah, we always get that Google Trends data. I guess that's not so surprising. But um, yeah, what a behemoth. What an absolute unnominated, unawarded behemoth Hogwarts Legacy ended up being. Um, a game, Jonesy, that it's easy to forget about because it came out relatively early in 2023 and as scary as it is to say out loud we are now uh, cycling back to the same portions the same season, the the same quarters in 2024 a whole new year, uh, a whole new wave of releases, perhaps a slightly quieter schedule than 2023, but we will be breaking down all of the uh, titles that you guys have to be keeping an eye out for um all of the things that we're excited for and not excited for and of course why um spoiler alert skull and bones does feature whether or not we're excited for it you're gonna have to wait and see and in what i'd love to call an annual tradition but i think we do forget most years we're also going to be looking at some predictions that various video game analysts games industry analysts have made across the internet rating whether or not we think they're going to be accurate for the coming 12 months and maybe Josie, depending on how lazy or like how how much the synapses are firing by that point in the podcast, we might make some predictions of our own. But it's half past nine at night already, <laughs> and I, I don't know who can make any guarantees at this point. 
Yeah, we'll have we'll have to see. Um, I at this point, I would just like to give a shout out to some of the people in chat. If that's all right, who've uh, yeah joined us live. Uh, so shout out to Magni Rodrigo, uh, to the radio guy online, Classy Cat, Carabardino, Ben Smith, the punky, the funky penguin, not the punky penguin. That's very different. Uh, Neil D, Leo Dunlop, uh, the mushroom, just Alexing, joining us, good friend of the show. Um, and thank you, yeah. So thank you everybody for joining us uh, for the first live show of the year and for uh, for giving us our four week hiatus. Um, I'm I'm just going to clarify because I think some people thought I was being serious when I said Hogwarts Legacy was my my game of the year. It wasn't. That was a joke. I'm surprised it wasn't nominated for anything, but no, I didn't think it should have won Game of the Year. But anyway, hey, there we go. In I'm, fact, Jonesy didn't Jonesy didn't even think it should be nominated. Jonesy was was campaigning heavily against Hogwarts Legacy all year round, if I remember. I I uh, I think it should have been nominated for something like um, Family or Adventure or something. It should have been nominated for something, man. That's not what you were saying. I remember you saying in December that if there were a category for Turf Game of the Year, then it should be nominated for that. But otherwise, you don't want to see it anywhere near Jeff Keighley and his finish. Keep it away. Your horseshoeing in trans barmaids can't fool me. Turf yeah. Game. Hashtag Turf exactly. Game. No, let's we're, we're not a politics show. Let's keep it out. Let's keep that. Let's keep the politics out of our mouths, just like Jada Smith's name. There we go. I thought, yeah, okay. I thought that was going somewhere very different, but you managed to keep it just about PC, and I thank you for that, Gen Z. And I will also um, second your welcomes uh, to all the fine folk that have joined us in the live chat. It's very nice to see and hear so many uh, familiar faces joining us for a, our new adventures in the new year i also uh until you mentioned that they were a friend of the podcast i was very confused by your pronunciation of just alexing because it makes it sound like a completely different series of words just alexing just alexing yes i said it i did yeah. say it weird just alexing I, th- I don't know just alexing seems to be more like a a thing it's like a verb what are you well, doing i'm just alexing chris and i used to take the piss out of some of the way you so you put emphasis on words and when they're in general in yeah theory. yeah pirates or pirates how did you do it pirates of the caribbean pirates <laughs> of the no i, I didn't that was, no that's that yeah, that's you a completely that was, made up one no that was I pirates of the caribbean pirates of the caribbean pirates of the caribbean i can't remember there was one that was a regular regular thing but i i already can't remember which one it was but anyway we'll move on no uh yes uh just alexing is uh of course from the um just interesting podcast fame which is why his name is just alexing and in so okay i have a question for alex in chat right now if, if he's still there i've recently watched fast x and i know that he is a big fast and furious yeah. fan tra- franchise fan um yeah let me you know, let me know your thoughts on fast x I won't bore you with mine until a little bit later in the show when we quickly run down some of the stuff we've seen slash done um, in the last couple of weeks. But there we go. Uh, I've also got a question for you from Kerry Bordino, if you'd like it. Sure, let's do it. Um, Would you rather play Lord of the Rings Gollum? Okay. Skull Island Rise of Kong? Yeah. Or 100 Hours of Starfield? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, God, that's a good question. It's scary to think that... One of those games uh, nominated in the Game Awards, so... Yes, yeah. Um, and one of those options probably done by countless people across the internet with some shades of green in their Twitter or ex-avatars and maybe an appearance from like Master Chief or Marcus Phoenix or something like that um, and, a, and a number of exes. I don't know, because you spoilt the hook 
bought uh, Starfield's New Game Plus for me prior to the Christmas break. You said and I could. Let's just get no, that clarified. 100%. I, I, I asked Jonesy to spoil it for me because I knew that I was never going to finish that game, let alone finish it 36 times or something stupid. <laughs> And I will concede that the hook or the conceit of you know going through multiple new game pluses sounds interesting, but a hundred hours is a long, long time. And as someone who, as we'll get into shortly, kind of struggled for motivation on a lot of video game fronts over the past four weeks or so, I don't want to add that to the list. So honestly, I, I think I'd rather go for I think probably Lord of the Rings Gotham. That felt like the the bigger of the two hot messes. That were kind of like if Skull Island and, and Gollum were sort of the two, the two heavy hitters in the, especially the licensed video game disasters of 2023. Gollum's the one that interests me kind of more. Right. Um. I, I have actually played some of Lord of the Rings Gollum. Uh, because Why? How? It was on uh, trial on PlayStation. You could get you know, the first two hours, or whatever it was. So I was like, oh, I think no, I think we talked about it at the time because we jokingly said we should play it and we should stream it. Um, oh, maybe we did, and then know. and it didn't happen. So I thought, you know what? Let me play. Oh, let me play a little bit of it. And I think I played for t- about twenty minutes, maybe fifteen minutes. And I was like, I'm out. This is so boring and so rubbish. Like even the yeah. um, the tutorial stuff was trying, and it looks just it looks ugly as sin. Uh, Skull Island, obviously, haven't played that. Looks crap again. But I I like Starfield. I'm. It has got issues. I did have issues with bugs. It was Bethesdary. I'm not going to say it's not. Um, but yeah, I could do 100 hours of Starfield if I had to choose from one of those ones. I think. I think that's I feel like it's, like it's the new de- like six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever it was, which is that everyone knows someone who knows someone. Like You're always within a certain number of people away from someone who likes Starfield for as much as it was largely derided by the end of the year. I listened to some sort of Game of the Year awards wrap-ups that certain podcasts do during December. And there was not a lot, of, not not a lot of love for Starfield out there. Let me Ouch. tell you, um, yeah, slightly awkward. I also love that um, towards the end of the year, Baldur's Gate three got gi- got given a trial for PlayStation Plus users, allowing them to play the first handful of hours of that game completely for free. Jonesy, just gonna stick with Lord of the Rings. He doesn't need to play the best game of all time. Gollum's all, Gollum's all he needs. Um, and I admire, I admire it, and I'd probably do the same. I didn't see the trial for Baldur's Gate, mate. I should go and try that. I should go and check it anyway, out. Anyway, that sounds like another uh, sort of Patreon-exclusive piece of content we can <laughs> theorise and never actually follow up on. Um, but yeah, um, this is a video game podcast. I hope we've made that part clear by now. Um, and as Josie pointed out earlier, we are live on YouTube, so if you would like to have your opportunity to have your username mispronounced by my good friend Mr. Alex Jones, then head over to the Super Show Pod uh, YouTube channel. You can also find us on Twitter if you want to engage with us on social media. And of course, if you just want the audio version of this podcast and the hundreds of podcasts we've recorded in the past, then head over to a podcasting platform of your choice. You could choose Spotify, you could choose, choose iTunes, you could even go to Google Podcasts. It depends on what your preferences are. And Jonesy, as we fast approach episode 200, we're building up some, you know, some hefty body of work here. I, I challenge someone, and I, I that might, I'm going to say this, I think there might be someone out there, because it's always interesting when you get to the end of the year and years, some people Spotify rats, and they've listened to more podcasting hours than you've actually produced that year. Some people clearly go back. Is there anyone out there, and they're probably on the, um, 
the podcast platforming side of our audience and maybe reach out on social media or make a very rare YouTube comment if you feel implored. Does anyone out there ever go back to like the very first podcast or try and listen to them like sequentially or chronologically from from the very beginning? Back when we were still in a studio owned by a company we used to work for, JNC. Do you remember it? I do. I I feel like because of we cover news, I feel like you people wouldn't do that. Like if if you're talking about a podcast, say like Joe Rogan or someone like that, they, then it's interviews with people. They're kind of I mean they're not evergreen, but they're kind of evergreen. They last for years. I kind of feel like if you go back now and listen to us talking about games that came out four years ago, uh, you know you might be a bit. No, if, I love that. If you listen to us talking about like Marvel's Avengers, the, you know early days. And they're knowing what's happened since, maybe you'll hate it. No, see, I, I debate to differ. Because, and maybe I'm the only freak like this out there, and that's part of the problem. But I very recently finished listening to all five days of Giant Bomb's Game of the Year 2016 discussions, um, which was, again, fascinating. Well, I... I, I can see, I can see, like a, a, some episodes being fascinating. Like I like to go back and watch some time. This is really sad, uh, but I, I know a lot of people do it. Like I like to watch keynote speeches from before certain games or certain bits of tech were released because it's like an yeah, exciting time, sure. um, and things now that obviously we've we've surpassed massively. But I, I still like the atmosphere. I still think you can glean something from it. So I think going back. Uh, can work but sequentially which is I believe is what you said if can I believe it would I imagine someone would go like from number one I can imagine you go back like maybe 10 5 at most I don't know about from interesting one. Uh, I might do it just to put well not listening to the entirety of them because that would involve a lot of listening to myself but I might go back to the um the golden years sometimes <laughs> especially like I said as we approach with Chris yeah exactly who hopefully We'll have back on here at some point sooner rather than later. I think, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school when I mentioned that he expressed interest at one point in being available for that 200th, 200th episode. So um, if we can pull a few strings and get that all worked out, then that would be really cool. Yeah, and it, it would have been sooner, obviously, the 200th, was it not, for like sickness, illness. Like I was horrendously ill around Christmas, which is why we've been gone for so long. And obviously then we were away seeing family and things. But yeah, no, he he has indeed. So um, we are currently on 193, I believe this podcast is. Um, so not long and we'll be, yeah, knocking on the door of 200, which seems kind of crazy um, back when we first started this. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, it does feel crazy. Anyway... For now, we are on whatever you've just said, 193, which means we have to focus, Jonesy, on the here and now. And the, I think the best possible way to focus on the here and now is by uh, doing the unprecedented move of actually talking about what we've been doing for the past four weeks, which is absolutely not the here and now. But I figured if we're going to take one of the longest breaks we've ever taken in this podcast, we, in theory, might have consumed some of the largest amounts of media we've ever been able to consume between your pulling faces already. Okay, Josie didn't watch the movie or play a single game. I knew this was going to happen. I did a no, bit. Um, I did a bit. Like, I, I'm, what I'm thinking, and tell me if you disagree here, is we've got a lot to get through on the 2024 front. Like I said, we're going to roll out all of the heavy-hitting releases that we've picked out for the year, whether they've got concrete, concrete release dates or not. But before we get into the thick of it, I thought maybe if we did just rewind a second... Talk about what you got up to over the Christmas break. And if there are any late-breaking entries from 2023 into Jonesy's, Alex Jones's theoretical Game of the Year 2023 top 10 list. 
it's, I can I can easily say that there were none uh, that are going to make it into my top my my oh. my game of the year. Um, there were some good games though. So I um, do you know what? This is the first Christmas I can ever recall because uh, it was it was my birthday as well. Uh, little did yes people know. Um, I'm now a year older. Um, that I didn't actually receive any games at all from anyone, which is, uh, but I, th- I don't think I asked for any. Growing up, Jonesy. So, In fact, I know why that is, though. <laughs> why? Well, it's because this has been the f- this is like the first year in a decade where there was absolutely no point in asking anyone to get you Call of Duty. So okay, that was the one game that I really umdenard over because that's the every year I, I like say that to my mum or my brother. I'm like, can you get me Call of Duty? And yeah, I I I still want to play it, but because of the state it's in, I had a conversation that I actually with someone who was like horrified that I said that it was not it was not very good. And in fact, it boiled down to the fact that they don't play the campaign; they've just been playing multiplayer, yeah. so they're perfectly happy with it, which which is fine for them, you know. Crack on. But I'm someone who I, I usually enjoy the campaigns, and so to have one which has been badly reviewed. Um, as Modern Warfare Three is, and especially as a model, as a uh, mainline, you know, Modern Warfare Three game, I was I was um, let down somewhat by the reviews and, and by Jamie as well by what you said about it and other people. I respect. Um, I will play it, but not yet. I think so. But I did um, dip my toe into the gaming world because I actually bought Super Mario Wonder for my kids, mm-hmm. um, and we've been playing multiplayer on that, which has been very fun. Like what a a, a very pretty fun, almost like. It's it's like Super Mario Bros from the '90s, but on acid, which is which is yes. cool, and I love what they've done with that. Just like they take that that you know pretty typical Mario's two D side scrolling, and then just inject it with some craziness at certain points. And I think it's a, a very fun game, um, a nice addition um, to Nintendo, the Nintendo have made there. Um, it's it's a weird one though, because like it's one of those where if someone said to me, "Oh, game like where does it rate in your games of the year?" I'm like, "Meh, it's not really that type of game for me. It's it's very fun, but I've I'm not sat down and just sort of chunked through it, a load of it." If you had to come up with a top, I'm not going to ask you to do it on the spot; it'd be impossible. But you think if you think if you sat down and had to come up with a top ten, if you were given an hour to review all the games you played, why wow, okay. I really think Super Mario Wonder wouldn't pop up in that top, even like as an eight or a nine and uh, do you know what actually if i'm being honest yeah it probably would it would go in my top 10 probably of the year like it, okay um but i but I, what i mean is i wouldn't i wouldn't can be considering it for like it's one of my favorite games of the year is what i'm suggesting oh i know um, it's interesting yeah but no yeah, on, as video games go like, a very well made game a lot of fun really enjoyable with um multiple players um nothing bad to say about it at all yeah like it, it would be in my top 10 for sure actually thinking back on the year um there then due to um the love that you and a number of other people gave to it i really wanted to i wanted to be able to sit down and play something a little bit different a little bit of a palette cleanser so i hopped into dave the diver um which I had a lot of love for thought was a very fun game um it was something that uh it, it, it's something a bit different and I, that's the thing i love about indies in that sense is they almost feel like they're less hang on effort. indies jonesy it is an indie. I thought that was the you know, the whole joke from the Game Awards. Remember, uh, what that is not an indie. Well, what what Clara of what what it constitutes yeah. an indie? It's that old chestnut. Is it? I thought that was one of the ones that is an that is an indie though. I didn't think they were from a uh, um, independently published, developed game. Or was it not? Dave, was it someone else? Dave the Diver, yeah, was so. It was published by Nexon, who are oh, right. a 
multi-billion dollar South oh. Korean really, uh, company. Um, but Mint Rocket is it's, 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 it's very complicated. Because this is- Mint Rocket are officially a division of Nexon, but like oh, okay. no one- no one can really say with any really any real confidence how many employees do Mint Rocket have? What kind of a budget were they given? So are they? Actually, so they're not an indie at all. They're they're a fake indie. They're a fake yeah, indie. They, they are. They are a you know a. a I thought yeah. Mint Rocket was one of the legit indies. I thought I thought one of the other ones was the fake indie. Oh yeah. no! Right, because I take it back. This this was the this was the game that. Oh, we might have lost Jamie. No, he's back. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I'm back. This was the game that sparked the debate when it got nominated for Best Indie Game. Of oh, course, okay, yeah. Achilles. I, f I forgot. No, f fair enough. And I, yeah, no, I think I, I agree that it's not, it's not an indie. It's, um, uh, mm. it's because indies, indies tricky because there's definitely a line when they stop being an indie and they start being something else. But like, Anna, if, if you're published by Annapurna or D Devolver Digital, to me, you're still an indie. You're still, you're maybe not independently published, but. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's small money, small company. But then, I know people are already so bored of this, but then <laughs> does your mind not start going then, how big do Devolver and Annapurna need to get in terms of like their annual revenue generation or their headcounts or the amount of like how much like budgetary assistance they're providing games before they are no longer... Like what at what size does Devolver need to get to before it's as big a publisher as Ubisoft? Like, they're no more independent. I, the, I, no, that's true. I, I think for me, it's it's more how much money they're giving to the devs and how much oversight they have maybe. Like, cause for, because we always have the conversation, obviously, about um, uh, CD Projekt Red and about the fact that they are actually an indie, an indie, technically, if you want to talk about independent development and publishing. Oh. I've lost you again. It's a bad... 2024 is a bad year for streaming live. Come back, Jamie. I really apologise. I have no idea what's happening. My I, internet will be 100% fine all day. I'm on video calls all day. And then we sit down to record a podcast and the internet gods do not look upon me, upon me kindly. Yes, uh, your your uh, flatmate is watching some questionable material with a high bit rate. In the yeah, apartment. a high bit rate in 3D VR... 4K, yeah. Maybe 2024, talking about indies, maybe 2024 is the year where we actually figure it out and we say this definitively. I don't think we'll ever get people to agree. <laughs> there were people on Twitter who were like, it's what it's a look and feel thing. And to the point where someone like tried to play Devil's Advocate and were like, if if PlayStation Studios published a Naughty Dog-developed game with like a 16-bit art style that was made by a 10-man team within Naughty Dog, would that be indie? <laughs> and the person on Twitter was like, yes. I think it's like, well, there's no winning. There's no, there's never going to be an agreement, Jesse. No, and it's also not fair because for me, the thing that tells tells you an indie apart isn't usually the look and look and feel. It's the there'll be one mechanic, or or it could be a style. It could be so it could be look and feel. But there's one thing that seems to be the impetus for the game to exist, and everything else is kind of less polished but that's not a criticism that's just you know the state of things take a game for undertale like undertale for example it was a very well-made game that had obviously a um a, a much more simplistic art style and part of me is like is that because they just didn't have the resource for it and they weren't as bothered about that whereas a, a bigger publisher has the resources to just pump people into every aspect so everything is really highly polished hence like triple a um, so I, I think we could decide it, man. I think we should, maybe we should be the arbiters. Maybe we should sit on the council and sit and say, this is Indian, oh, this is God. Not. 
I don't know if I'm ready to be responsible for the amount of backlash we're going to get from <laughs> whoever doesn't like what we've decided. Like, I just don't. Oh, he's frozen again. No, he's back. I think I'm back. You're back. I, yeah, I, I apologize, folks. But I was going to say, I looked up Devolver Digital on Wikipedia uh, just because I was curious. And while none of them get into majority ownership sort of status, and so we don't need to worry about it just yet, they are like 5% of Devolver is owned by Sony and 8% of Devolver is owned by NetEase, the Chinese conglomerate. So like, <laughs> we're, so we're, we're not, we're getting there. When they're, when they're yeah. like 51%, we're going to be like, no, everything you it's, publish is no longer indie. It's going to keep happening and nothing will be independent anymore because it will be like the film industry or the TV industry where if you keep going up and up and up, eventually you're like, oh, it turns out... Eh. Oh, I can guess what Jamie was going to say. He was going to say everything is owned by everything, every one of the, the big companies. Yeah, it's like how everything's owned by Disney. Everything is owned gonna, by Disney. I'm going to turn off my... See, I would I would question whether it's maybe my connection, but my connection is saying it's excellent at the moment, so I don't know if... Well, the benefit that you've got is that you're the person that's beaming everything that we're saying to YouTube, and so as long as that's happening and people are in the comments talking to you, then it can't be you. If it gets that bad, we'll end up... Uh, I'll end up just having a chat with the with chat, and then we'll um, <laughs> we'll get through it. But no, I'm sure it won't. Um, all right, I'll quickly wrap up the, the last couple of things then I was going to mention. Yeah. Um, so move away from gaming then i watched uh rebel moon part one um, um yes which the zach snyder joint the zach snyder joint um what it, i can see why some people liked it i can also see why some people said it was not very good at all um it was a mess of a film hang on sorry just jumping in for a second there are some people, people who liked it, it. <laughs> i've yeah. i spoke to some people so not not as terminally online as we are um and not mired by other people's opinions so much but you know people but people watched it and people said oh no i I quite enjoyed it i thought it was fun you know for what it was um i yeah i thought it was an absolute mess for most of it um it was a magnificent seven seven samurai ripoff which was just felt it felt like about five different films stuck together and there was no reason for any of these people to be doing any of it was like we'll just take a handful of actors from other sci-fi films smash them together with Zack snyder and loads of cgi and see what happens and then and then we'll put a nazi and a shirt in it and i was like this is such a strange film that is possibly the least appetizing description of a film i've ever been served in my life it's it's got very few redeeming features however by the time I got to the end, I was like, okay, I get what they're going for. They didn't achieve it, but maybe with maybe part two will be much better. It was a strange... Do you know what it felt... I'll tell you what it felt like. Actually, oh my goodness, I know exactly what it felt like. It felt like a film made by AI. That sounds like the... Okay, Jamie's popped off. Oh, but he'll be back in one second. No, he's still got. Um, so made by AI, but what I mean by AI, made by AI is that all the scenes work, everything kind of fits in its place to some degree, but everything just feels off. Oh, you're back. Okay, yeah. sorry, I was just I was just clarifying what I meant by it was made by AI. 
Uh, well, I went back on the Ethernet, so we'll see if that's fixed itself in the two minutes that I unsuccessfully transferred <laughs> over to Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, I'll be honest, hearing that it sort of looks or sounds or feels like it was written by AI is also like one of the least interesting or exciting things you could have possibly said about a film that I wasn't going to watch anyway. So, okay, um, fair enough. Um, I also and also I, I, do you know what else really puts me off about <coughs> Rebel Moon? If I'm going to be like serious and uncynical for a second, and I don't know how you feel about this, yeah. But I, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, that the version that has been released right now is kind of like the slightly edited, like PG thirteen basically cut, and that there's like a slightly longer R rated cut that is coming in a couple of months just before the second part drops. And as soon as I read that, I was like, why would I watch this one then? I did. I heard that as well, and, and a lot of people were saying that it's almost like built these um, Justice League side as, as Snyder cut. They're almost building that into it, so they're like release one that's not as good, so they can then drop the R-rated version. So everyone then says, "Well, compared to the PG one, this is great." Which I was like, "Okay, that's a bit conspiratorial for me," but but maybe it's because they they I don't know why they would do that. It is weird. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like why would you bother? Yeah. Um, Especially with that up to oh that slightly prolonged and more violent cut, which again sounds more appealing to me as a person who loves sucking blood out of open wounds and fleshy stumps. Um, that releasing closer to the second part is like well that's perfect because if I like it, I can then roll straight into that without having to retain all this need. It is, it is a strange thing. It is a strange re thing to do, and it's a strange setup, and I'm not sure why they've done it um, when you could just wait. But I think it's because that thing of we all need everything now, now. I think that's what it is, right? We, everyone needs everything now. So they're like, no, I, I, I'm good. you give me this now, and then I'll have the thing you give me later as well. I think it's just that. If you can create more content out of one piece of media, like I guess that's what they're, why they've done it. Three yeah. films for the price of two. Well, I as as far as that maths can be applied to the Netflix model, yes, I I, I suppose you're right. Um, by the way, Jonesy, guess what I'm doing now, internet-wise? Uh, you've just tethered to your phone. Yeah, and it's the worst of the three. <laughs> I feel like I've, uh, you sound like a robot to me. This has never happened before. You the seem fine to me now. You still seem fine. Okay. So well, you're not robotic, so that's good. We're, yeah, we'll have to, uh, maybe there's maybe everyone has just hopped on the hopped on the internet right now in your area for some reason. Why has everyone just decided to watch porn all of a sudden at 10 p.m. <laughs> at night? Because all the girlfriends and wives have just gone to bed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm slightly rattled, and I don't really know do, do, any any anything else. Um, so the last recap front. Yeah, the only last thing I'll mention will be. Um, uh, the Christmas special Doctor Who, in case anyone cares. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, so I, I have a love-hate relationship with Doctor Who. I actually think some of it's really good. I fell off a while ago, and then I said to the wife, like, hey, let's let's watch the Christmas special, because it's got... I don't know his name, but it's the, the, the black guy from Sex Education who plays... Um, oh, my God, I can't even remember his name. The, the best friend of the main guy in Sex Education is the new Doctor Who. And he's really good in sex education. So we were like, oh, I think he's going to be a really good Doctor Who. He's quite like, he's energetic. He's, you know, he's he's a bit Matt Smith in how sort of, I can imagine he's like running around and doing stuff. So anyway, we watched the Christmas special and it was rubbish. 
Like it was, oh. I I would love to know how much they spent on that because I can guarantee no matter what the figure, it it's too much. Is it? And do you think it's also going to be one of those things where that figure will be ridiculously high in spite of how mid tier it looked in true kind of like somehow how do the B, where did this money possibly go BBC one hundred percent like he was he was good I liked him as the doctor the girl who was in it who's like his sidekick for the things she was fine if you took them to those two actors and put them into like a decent story decent uh you know set uh, decent everything it would have been, I imagine it would have been really good like there was no no criticism of the acting but the the story the what happened the yeah the cg like what they did with it i thought was dull boring um uninspired made no sense they have no like i think they have no desire to be logically consistent in any kind of science fiction kind of frame and as doctor who moves more towards fantasy i hate it i like sci-fi because I like the fact it's tied to science fiction. And the more Doctor Who goes, we don't care about science in science fiction. We we care about the fiction. I'm like, I'm out. And so, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was rubbish. Anyway, that's me done with me having a go at everything. <laughs> so, um, I, I'd love to feel some degree of sympathy for you, Jonesy. But I think that when you choose to spend a Christmas break engaging with uh, properties such as Rebel Moon and Doctor Who, then to a certain extent, to a certain extent, you know, you get what you asked for, um, <laughs> and you kind of had it coming. You could have spent your Christmas watching Saltburn and seeing an Irish guy suck spunk out of a bath hole, and yet here you are. I didn't watch Saltburn. I've been told I need to watch it, so maybe I will. Uh, it may, let me tell you, if you love dongs, watch Saltburn, <laughs> because there's some great dong action in there, and also some right. great songs to accommodate that dong action, it's just a dongy, dongy, just a dongy good time with lots of cum and spunk. Okay, now I'm now I'm like, is that why it's called Saltburn? <laughs> there's actually not that much. There, there is some spunk, but there's actually not an overwhelming amount of spunk. Unless you mean spunk in the kind of the charisma sense, in which, uh, in which sense, like in, in you know, Barry Hugan's character is is kind of metaphorically speaking full of spunk, but at certain points he is also literally full of spunk. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, sounds interesting. Um, I, 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 when I was going in and out of cyber existence, which I kind of still am, I didn't get a chance to to ask you, Dave the Diver. I'm guessing by the nature of like how you described your time with it, doesn't crack that top ten in the same way that Marion might have. N no, not at the moment. Not for where I'm up to in it. I think it's too. Um... Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't quite have enough of of what I would need to slide into the top ten. Um, but very fun game, enjoyable. I like all. They keep giving me new um, mechanics, which is fun. Uh, new apps on a phone. Every every mission I complete, someone yes. gives me a new app or a new thing to do, and I'm like, isn't there someone else you can take on some of these responsibilities? Like, no, I'm apparently doing fifteen different jobs now, um, which is fine. Uh, my my restaurant level is going up, and I'm getting some new um, I'm getting new um unlockables and and new skills to do. So no, yeah, but it's good. It's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Maybe 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 it will crack the top ten. Uh, if I maybe. once I played a bit more, could be a late breaker. Could be. Um, be interesting to see how yeah you continue to enjoy that time of that game because that is one part of it that never really slows down. 
you'll continue to complete days and think, oh, I'm just settling into the rhythm with this. And then some extraordinarily extraordinary new revelation will appear where it's like, now this is now this person's in front of you asking you to do this and this exists and you're fighting that and you're discovering this and it's like I thought I thought this was about making sushi. I thought we were just making California rolls out here, but nope. no no such luck. <laughs> yeah. Um in that case, Jonesy, shall I regale you with some tales of uh games that I played over the Christmas period? Yes, please. Um I'll be quick because obviously in four weeks there was a lot of them. One thing I just want to pick up um, uh, from 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 before the break that you probably can't even remember exists is that I'm well and truly well, uh, won that bet. Um, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven yeah. and and the Phantom Liberty completed. Um, nice work. Entirety. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I had Idris uh, cheering me on along the way. The perhaps slightly controversial thing I have to say about that experience now that it's all said and done is I might have enjoyed just replaying Cyberpunk more than I enjoyed Phantom Liberty. Interesting, okay. Um, I, th- I thought like re-experiencing both of them at the same time felt some made some elements of the Phantom Liberty feel a little bit more uh, condensed in a way that didn't really serve the arcs that the characters are supposed to be going on. Um, and there were there were points where there were key... Put it this way: There's a there's a point in the game, and it's not the not quite the climax of, of Phantom Liberty, but there's a point, maybe three quarters of the way through Phantom Liberty, maybe even slightly later in the grand scheme of things, where you have to make a very important decision. And at that point in the DLC, I remember thinking, um, I don't know what to choose, and I don't know which side to take in this choice. And it's not because both sides make really appealing arguments or as attractive to me as each other. It was because I didn't care enough to have a favourite. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. 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 Which is um, which is never the way you want to be feeling at that kind of crux. <laughs> you want to have you want to no. have a strong feeling one way or the other. Exactly. And like, I will say that like, the final quest or two, and then the ending endings are more interesting, and the choices are more difficult, um, and it makes the whole Phantom Liberty experience slightly more redeeming. But overall, I was like. I don't know. I feel like if I'd reinstalled Cyberpunk, done that thing where you get a new save at the point with which your character's theoretically ready for Phantom Liberty and just played Phantom Liberty, I'd have been a bit like, huh, okay, that was wasn't as good as Cyberpunk. Would you okay, here's a question. So I'm I can play Phantom Liberty. So I'm obviously I'm uh, you know, as everyone knows, I'm playing Cy- uh, Cyberpunk again as well. Um much more slowly than you. Would when would you suggest I go and play phantom liberty given that i have never actually finished cyberpunk in its entirety before um i i don't think it matters too much because okay. most of the endings will result in um an experience and a story that will feel like an expanded and extended side quest thread that you just got caught up in like to the point where Phantom Liberty doesn't even make any like real aggressive attempts to restrict you to Dogtown during your time with it. In fact, like there are quests and side quests, especially these ones where you're returning these cars to one of the uh, game's fixers that start in Dogtown and actively see you traveling outside of Dogtown. So it's not one of those DLCs where they're trying to pretend like the rest of the game doesn't exist. You know, you can freely travel in and out of Dogtown and that actually might be better for pacing or for flow. Likewise, there's only that I know of, I think there's only one ending 
that impact that becomes like that leads directly into a new new ending ending for cyberpunk right. and at large um rather than just um the dlc itself so i say you know keep it fast and loose uh and play it when you when you feel like you have an urge to play it one thing that might not make sense is if you do it early enough that you don't really have any rapport with um johnny silverhand because obviously right. he is for reasons that i won't get into not quite as verbose as he can be at times during the main game but he is still chatty and you two are friendly in a way that might make sense if you'd done most of the game before it okay. i did it right at the end for what it's worth i i did everything up to the point of no return in the base game and then did phantom liberty okay okay interesting good to know yeah um but like net net positive and Fair play for CD Projekt Red. Fair play to CD Projekt Red, I guess, in some respects. Someone asked me on um, a, a party chat the other day if I would recommend Cyberpunk to them at this point, and I said yes. So there you go. Um, the finals uh, is another really cool first-person shooter that I'm going to uh, eternally wish that I was better at and more capable <laughs> of enjoying you know, as a result of my own skill level. The thing I did want to call out is that, like, I don't know who's sort of, like, taking the lead on the... And this is going to be a controversial opinion, I'm sure, in some respects. But who's taking the lead on the kind of the cosmetic design and the kind of like the visual sort of like the creative direction, I guess, of the game, but specifically some of the work they're doing in the cosmetics. Um, but some of it's really cool. Like this whole uh, season appears to be casino themed. And you know what, like the, those big LMGs with big circular top loading magazines. Yeah. There's one of those where it's a roulette wheel. There's a gun oh, nice. that's like um, an ATM gun where every time you kill someone, a receipt comes out the side of the gun and the receipt has the name of the person you've killed on it. <laughs> um, it's all really silly stuff, but um, I guess what I'm saying is I like, like, I think that there are some like throwable lethals in the game, like Ninja Starry kind of stuff. And like, there's a, a thing that swaps out for throwing cards. And I guess, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're going to have a style, especially a style per season uh and you're like and you're going to have cosmetics that are incentivized through in-game purchases and battle passes that i know are going to be controversial for some people but it's like if you're gonna do it like commit to it do it yeah. finals really commits to its look and feel and its overall sense of presentation that makes it feel like a cohesive and neat in a way that made me wanted to like it more than i did um so i wanted to give props on that nice um I thought Super Mario Wonder was was pretty cool. I don't have anything to add that you you didn't say already. Um, there was a part of me at one point that thought, "How would this game feel if it didn't have the Wonder Seeds?" But it's like it does have the Wonder Seeds, so that doesn't matter. Oh, uh, that that's yeah. Because without the Wonder Seeds, it's basically it's like a, oh they've they've tried to make another Super Mario Bros. nineteen ninety game, but just with updated graphics. Yeah, which would be kind of which I'd be like oh. That the I mean, come on, guys, push, you know, push the envelope. But they, but they have because they put Wonder Seeds in it, yeah, and everything exactly. goes mental. You, you, you like. don't order a cheeseburger and they say, ah, oh, but this would be disappointing without the cheese. It's like, no, you've you got, <laughs> got, you got the cheese. cheese you don't have to worry about cheese. that. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's in the bag. It is. Um, uh, House Flipper Two is legitimately really good, uh, and I'd say a markable improvement over House Flipper One. Um, and for anyone that kind of has a let's say, post-power simulator hole in their life for some more fixer-upping, um, then I would recommend House Flipper 2 to almost every, anybody. Um, 
I'm just getting into Tears of the Kingdom. It seems cool. I don't think I'm going to like it as much as everyone else did. I don't think I'm going to like it as much as Breath of the Wild. Um, but I, I, I respect Nintendo and the work they did to implement these new abilities that were absolutely crazy on paper and offer an almost unparalleled uh, degree of player uh, choice and player freedom in the game without it breaking and falling apart of the seams, um, which it, it does sometimes do, but it's always in fun ways, and that's what matters. And um, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora. Oh, go on. Yeah. The game that I think most people forgot about in the in you know the the flurry of everything that was going on at the end of the year, and the other reason that thing that probably contributed to people forgetting about Avatar for Frontiers of Pandora is it so strangely unremarkable. Um, right. There are some attributes to it that are that are that are not just unique but also well done. Um, any digital digital foundry fans in the house will know that uh, for them, I. I think they might have even called it the best-looking game of 2023. It was in the final wow. two with Alan Wake 2. Um, it, it, and it's... Uh, I'm playing on PS5, not on PC, with all the bells and whistles. But it is a very nice-looking game, remarkably lush and remarkably dense. Sometimes a little bit repetitive uh, in the early stages because it's all very rainforesty. But as you reach other areas of the map and you get, like, plains and more vertical and mountainous areas and you get the, um, the flying mount, then things open up. Um, I think the main problem is that like it really needed to shake off that Far Cry of Blue People label and in the early stage of the game it doesn't do enough to do that the more avatar it gets the better it gets right. like, your first five hours of that game will be spent like clearing camps with a bow and arrow and you'll be like huh okay you know like where where's Jim Cameron when you need it I need, I need someone to to, to Navi nar, nar, the shit out of this <laughs> nar, right the I've been trying to learn the way they say that they they say it almost like it's got a t in the middle they're like nut v rather than oh yeah okay yeah um i'm not gonna try and yeah. say it i'll just butcher it well it, it's a lot of people talking like that and everyone's got really over long and over embellished names with hyphens and colons and <laughs> apostrophes in them and like a lot of, because blue people don't get up to things that are that interesting everyone's side quests are really kind of like oh my father went hunting and now he is missing. Can you get Agnunu Dangadang like back from? I was like, okay, like this isn't actually that cool. It's just fetch Which quests. I guess is, yeah, and I guess that's more of an Avatar problem than a Ubisoft problem. But I just feel like they. But they made the game. It. They could have not they done did. that. They could have made but, something different. <laughs> but they probably they probably had to work within very specific. For as much as most people don't care about Avatar. You don't make the two highest grossing films of all time without having some care and protection of thought that goes into the world. And so when you're in your scan mode and like each of the hundreds, if not thousands of kinds of flora and fauna, each have individual names and descriptions <laughs> and things like that. And like there are all these animals of different species and they're putting all this work into like, you can't just hunt animals, Jones. So you have to kill them humanely and bless their bodies when you take their resources to improve. It's like, if Far Cry was the I'm going to shoot that fucking pig in the head and take its guts out game, Avatar is I'm going to really silently slip my knife into the weak spot of this fucked up weird rhino monster and say a prayer before I take its guts out. Can you? But can you like, skip that it. after the first time you do it? So the first time you do it is kind of like cutscene-y and it's this really long speech. It's like uh, blessings and spirits being risen and it, it, it yeah it gets faster but the, there is always a, still a thing where he's like thank you for this blessing and then take and then like 
And I think it's those kind of things that like drag down Avatar as an IP and that it is just kind of lame in a weird way. Um, in a way, it's never appealed to me at least. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think it serves the purposes of a Far Cry like game very well. Um, right. That's a bummer. Um, because uh, there are some cool ideas buried within it. I just don't know how many people are going to see them. Uh, if I could trouble you for a rough out of 10, where would you go? Where would you put it? Or out of 100 if you'd rather. Who's for me? Which which scale? Let's go 100. And, I, and I, am, am I doing this kind of like, <laughs> do I get to invent... It? There's, I'm going to offer you two, and two, offer you a, a choice, and okay. it's going to sound bizarre and arbitrary, but it will help me thinking. Have I? Is this me reviewing for the website JamieReviewsGames.com? That is a, a publication that's been running for the last seven years, and I and I'm the only person who contributes reviews to it. Right? Or have I? Or have IGN reached out to me and said, "Can you revo- review Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora for us?" Oh. Let's go with jamie.com. On jamie.com, which if, if jamie.com existed, it would be a five-star scale, and this would be a three-star game. Okay. Um, it would be a, or a six out of ten, or a 63 out of 100. If right. I was reviewing it for IGN, it would probably end up being like a 72. Okay. Okay, yeah, interesting. Good to know. Yeah, I don't know. That's just... I don't know why my brain thinks of like <laughs> splits it like that way, but yeah. But it, no, I, I get what you mean. There's like a, you've got your your subjective uh, opinion based around how good you want to be honest versus when you consider that game in with all the other games and how they are rated and graded where yeah. it actually should exist in the scale. I, no, I totally get. I totally get why you need two different scales. Oh. IGN is a website that, for as much as <coughs> I love to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist, they have a whole page on their website that anyone can go out there and read that explains in detail their review scale, why they give the reviews, score the scores they do, what scores mean in their mind, why ten out of tens doesn't that doesn't doesn't mean it's a perfect game, and so on and so forth. They've had that page there for years. No one ever reads it. They just love to make memes because IGN are the single biggest video game covering website on the planet, and they're an easy target. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Uh, anyway, Jonesy, now that I have hopefully kind of leveled out a little bit uh, with my internet tethered to my fucking mobile phone <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2024 <laughs> on a Discord call that still looks like I'm talking to you through a fucking microwave, um, shall we put 2023 to bed once and for all by moving on to a cheeky preview of 2024 and all the delightful video games we have to look forward to in the coming months um we can before we do that given that you've done the labor of listing the games that are dropping this month as we started to do last year do we want to go through those first? Oh, yeah well i was going to kind of weave them in because i because half of them repeat okay okay yeah let's do that then but like yeah but let's say this we'll we'll, we'll go through 2024 um, we'll go through a bunch of games that we're looking forward to that have concrete release dates in order that they're going to release. And at the end, we'll start looking at a bunch of titles that hopefully make it out in 2024, although we don't have exact release dates for them just yet. And we will, for this opening section uh, covering the month of January, cover a few more titles just so you guys out there listening are as well prepared for where your wallets might be spending their funds 
uh, in the coming weeks. Um, starting, Jonesy, we'd like... I love how we talked about this as a preview of everything we're excited for in 2024. But as a result of doing things this way, I do feel like I have to mention that for those of you who care, Bulletstorm VR is coming out on January 18th. Um, I personally do not. Uh, it's, it's not saying, yeah, not something I'll be, I'll be looking out for, but I'm, hey, I'm always glad for another VR title. Um, are you though? Yeah, I, th- I think that Are I think. Just saying that. No, no, I am because I think that it. I think it. You need them to keep pushing with VR to you know strengthen the entirety of the VR market. Uh, I love the idea of like a quote on the box. Uh, I'm glad this game is coming out. We need VR to keep quote unquote keep pushing while talking about Bulletstorm VR. No, I think I think any VR title adds to that. Joy's that reminds me of is is. Uh, uh, oh god, whose review was it? Someone reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game, and was and basically oh, yeah. said, "I'm glad this game exists because it's the sort of game that um, that that needs to be out there and needs to exist because it, it just because that genre is is not that well served." But they basically were saying this game's not very good. <laughs> but not oh, not that not very good. Right. But this game's not that good. Good, it's good, but it's not that good. But I'm glad it exists, and you should play it just so that they keep making games like it so yes it's kind of a weird backhanded compliment like this yeah. isn't the one but it's proof that the one is out there if we keep trying to find it um i think i would tell you who it was who said that it was a australian dude what's his name skill up skill up it was skill up who said that and i would because then i was surprised because i re- I've, i thought it was a very a very serviceable video game and i'm very glad i played it and it's free at the moment it is on the epic game store right epic game store indeed yeah, I think serviceable might serviceable might even be do, be doing a disservice. I think that game is better. Yeah, than service. No, that's fair. That's fair. Actually, it's got some fantastic moments. Anyway, we digress. Yes, yes. If you're not on the market for Bulletstorm VR, like Jonesy clearly is, although I have good news for you because you can move on almost immediately on the same day. In fact, courtesy of the return of the Prince. That's right, Prince of Persia: The Lost Crown. A let's call it a reboot of the Prince of Persia series that sees it taking flight in 2D format, 2D slash 3D, 2.5D, um, January 18th, the same day as Bulletstorm VR. Jonesy, you might be the biggest OG Prince of Persia fan I know. And by OG, I don't mean OG OG. I mean the sequels to the OG that's not quite as the OG OG. I played the OG. Um, I played the OG Prince of Persia when it came out as well. But And so this gets back to... Uh, the, the Lost Crown gets back to much more of the OG Prince of Persia, like we're talking, yes. uh, you know, um, side-scrolling platformer-type uh, style. Uh, this is not for me, purely because I'm bitter about the absolute shit show that is the um, the actual remakes uh, from the uh, 1, 2, yep. and 3, which are... The, we're talking about the ones that came out in, like, the 2000s. Um, and then this looks fun. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some people enjoy it, but I'm still holding out hope that Ubisoft pull their fingers out and, and fix the travesty that is the Prince of Persia remake and then actually do us, you know, make us something I mean, that we can all enjoy. That doesn't look like It's still on the cards, right? But mm. yeah, it feels like every time we hear about it, it's been rebooted or given to another team else or whatever. Or, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I have high hopes for the Lost Crown. I think them tackling... Uh, a two point the two point five D formula, uh, but also potentially some Metroidvania inspired elements, and like looking at what the likes of Hollow Knight and and Ori have done in the last couple of years, and taking some of those learnings. 
could be awesome. Um, but if that's a little bit too scary for you and you like to stick with somewhat more familiar territory, then you can just play a game that you've already played once again, courtesy of The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered, which arrives just one day later on January 19th, with, with, of course, the ability to visit some lost levels that were cut during development, listen to some director's commentary, and, of course, play a new roguelite mode that I cannot remember the name of. No, me either. Uh, but no, but they, they, I'm glad... It was edgy, though. It was. I'm glad they've got some additional uh, things in there for you to get your teeth into, because otherwise a remaster of Last of Us Part Two feels kind of redundant at this point. Um, but I think with those additional modes it kind of opens it up a bit and it, and it makes it a lot more exciting. Um, but we'll have to see. Yes, and I guess the other thing to note there is that I believe for people who own the original game, either digitally or physically, and who are capable of putting the disc in their PlayStation, shout out to Mr. Alex Jones and his broken disc drive, you will be able to get the upgrade for, I think it's $10 US, um... Maybe five? I can't remember exactly, but I feel like ten is the number I've got in my head. Yeah, it's not, it's not a crazy amount of money. Um, that, yeah, shout out to my disk drive. That is my priority to get sorted this January to actually finally get it fixed. So that will be happening hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. Uh, did you ever look into whether or not you would be able to get anything out of the de like the official detachable disk drive that they now do as a result of the no uh, the I new slip? I don't know. I should I should look into that because it yeah it might be it might be a better way to um, get around my issues with disk drives. Okay, gotcha. Um, well, fingers crossed. I look forward to hearing um, more of your opinions on a game that we already talked about ad nauseum uh, <laughs> three years ago. Uh, if you're able to get to the bottom of your disk drive woes, the rest of us though, Jonesy, will be moving on to what I know is some people's most anticipated game of the year. Uh, a series that has just grown exponentially in terms of the size of its fan base over the past, I don't even know, six, seven years or so. And that is Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Um, for those of you who don't know Like a Dragon, also, uh, as we joked before the podcast, Jonesy, the artist formerly known as Yakuza. Uh, so this is, because uh, I know that like fucking two Yakuza games released, sorry, two Like a Dragon games released last year. And now this is coming out already, so it could be confusing. So for anyone who's trying to keep track of things, this is a direct sequel to Yakuza Like a Dragon, which was the 2020 title with turn-based combat, starring um, uh, I'm gonna Ichiban, uh, Ich who is the guy with the crazy hair uh, and the red suit, um, and I believe that this is also follows on from Like a Dragon Guy Den, the man who erased his name which was the title that came out right at the end of last year. It is on Game Pass as well, if anyone wants to play um, a Like a Dragon game to get themselves ready for Infinite Wealth. That is probably the one that makes the, mo makes the most amount of sense at this point. Um, I think the most interesting thing about this, though, Jonesy, for me, for me, though, is that whilst lots of the previous Yakuza games and Like a Dragon games have very lovingly captured uh, parts of or takes on uh, Japan and its various cities and districts, this is set in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I, these games, there's a lot to them. Like, I've played my first Yakuza game last year um, mm. and I enjoyed it a surprising amount. Like, not surprising yeah. based on how well other people talk about them, but based on, like, I didn't think it was going to be for me and I actually really enjoyed it and thought it was, it was a lot. There was a lot to it. 
a lot more than I thought there was going to be and thought it was cool. And so, yeah, I, I'd like to I'd like to sink my teeth into Like a Dragon in some form, so I might well hop onto Game Pass and, um, uh, and yeah, grab one of these games. There was, did you see there was a little bit of argy-bargy between uh, PlayStation and Xbox based around Like a Dragon? Uh, oh, I didn't see that. So I think it was uh, PlayStation put out a tweet where they were saying um, you can get like a loads of Yakuza games or like a Dragon games for this much off, uh, massive sale, blah blah blah. To which and they had like a a, a picture like that they'd um, put up, and then uh, Xbox then tweeted out you can play all these on Games Pass <laughs> and with uh, you know a similar image. So yeah, nice little back and forward between yeah, I mean, the two. They're not wrong. I like the clearly. I don't know what kind of deal. Uh, Xbox and Sega stu- uh, uh, you know, stuck out um, with one another, but uh, the rate at which Like a Dragon games and Yakuza games are coming to Game Pass is pretty impressive. Like I said, The Man Who Erased His Name, which only came out in like um, November, I think it was, is already on there. Uh, the problem is, Jonesy, and I know some of them are like remakes and remasters of games that never made it to the West before, um, and so maybe they don't all count. I don't know how long you can keep going at a, at a clip of two to three games a year while having them all simultaneously be like 20 to sometimes 40, 50, 60 hour long action games or RPGs before people get some degree of burnout? I don't <laughs> think Infinite Wealth will give us the answer, but yeah. they might have to cross that bridge at some point. Yeah, if, if we're impressed by Insomniac's Rave putting out games, like the you yeah. have, they're getting blown out of the water by the makers of Like a Dragon, so yeah crazy yeah the makers of like a dragon ryuga gotoku which of course is directly translated into english as like a dragon thank you for that jonesy i'm gonna play i'm gonna play like a dragon infinite wealth the sequel to yakuza like a dragon from like a dragon studios i'm so not just just (laughs) figure it out i get so confused with their naming system that i i was trying to figure out which one i wanted to play last year and i was so lost that i had to go onto like wikipedia and find like all the main franchise games and be like what and then try and match them up with what was available on my playstation i was like uh, yeah bizarre bizarre so confusing it's just it's just it's despicable and they should be ashamed of themselves what everyone should be doing and japanese developers have traditionally known this best is every time you release a new game just put a new number on it first so for example jonesy if on january 26th you were interested in releasing the eighth tekken game you would just call it tekken 8 you would call it tekken 8 and that's what they've done i think they have which is nice oh okay are you gonna play it no, I'm not a big Tekken guy. I, I still want to play uh, Street Fighter, Street Fighter Six. So um, I've yes, and I've not I, jumped into that that yet. So I'm hoping to pick that up relatively soon. So that'll be uh, that'll be that'll be me and my fighting games. I won't be jumping into Tekken anytime soon. That's fair enough. I, I, and I also think you kind of like tapped into. I think one of the most interesting things about Tekken coming out is that it is kind of cool that whilst Tekken just missed out on 2023 by a month, the fact that we did get a new Street Fighter, a new Mortal Kombat, and a new Tekken, all within 12 months of uh, each other. And I'm sure plenty of other great fighting games uh, out there as well that are slightly less known. Means that the FGC has been eaten good for the past year, and, and I'm happy for them, even if I, I cannot uh, join in that feast. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Street Fighter, Street Fighter 6. Shout out to Tekken, Tekken 8. Boo to Mortal Kombat from Mortal Kombat 1. Why? Oh. Don't do it crying out loud 
Do you know what? If I was going to buy one of them, it would be Mortal Kombat One. <laughs> Sorry, James. That's just the way. I, that's I fair. That it's just the name. I don't lie. It's just. It's like. Oh, anyway. Hang on. Yeah, let's move on. You just. We just had the Like a Dragon conversation, and you're going to slag off Mortal Kombat One because they've done. They've. I don't like when you go bad. Like just call it number one again because then it's just. But it's fine when you're at number one. Like when you give it a cool new name. When you just call it like if it's just Mortal Kombat. But the problem is. I can envisage a time when it were up to Mortal Kombat 5, which is actually Mortal Kombat 15, and then it's kind of, oh, hold on, what? And then they're remaking Mortal Kombat 6, and you're like, well, hold on, that is the next game. No, 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 but they're making they're remaking the old sixth Mortal Kombat yeah. game. It just gets it just gets silly. But I say, yeah, maybe there's another way to do it. Maybe that maybe it's the best option that they've got. I suppose you, these things kind of get figured out as well, like. Doom had that problem when it was, and that's why it's Doom 2016. But then they were like, we're dropping the numbers and becoming Doom Eternal. Hitman had the opposite problem where they had Hitman 2016, but because the original series used subtitles instead of numbers, it meant that the rebooted series could use numbers instead of subtitles. So you just do the opposite of what you did last time, basically. I'd be very surprised if the next game was called Mortal Kombat 2. See, I'd, I'm fine with like, so the technically. I'm fine with like what uh, Yakuza do. So if it's called Yakuza, then have you can have another word, right? So if it was Yakuza Infinite Wealth, I'd be fine with that. But when you have a multi-word name for the game, I always feel like you should only have a one-word name for the subtitle. So it should be like, like a dragon, and then it should just be one word after the colon. Okay. Otherwise, it just gets too long. Like, it gets crazy. It gets long. I know so this is just me being... Names <laughs> in the ser- multiple words in the series name. You can't have multiple words in the subtitle name. Like it was like a dragon lost or like a dragon death, then that's fine. But when they start to get these really lo- like sentences, I just don't like it. Maybe it's from the translation. Maybe in Japanese it's much more simple and it makes sense. But when we end up getting them, they, they yeah. Like, what was it? Like a dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Yes, that like, was come the last on, one man. to be released. That's too much. I wonder what that was called in Japanese. If if any, um, it doesn't appear to be prominently shown on the um, on the Wikipedia page. So if anyone knows, let us know. That must be well, actually. I think the re the, the reason they did it is so that it may it is more aligned with the um, the Japanese versions because I think they might have prior to this been in the same situation that Resident Evil is in with um, uh, uh, Resident Evil slash Biohazard. Where See, Japan- Resident Evil, Biohazard. Resident Evil, Village. Two words for the game, one word for the subtitle. Sorted. Uh, you know what, Josie? I'm not going to disagree with you. There's a game coming out in February that might, though, and that's Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Two na- two words in the title, four words in the subtitle. It's unacceptable, and that <laughs> is why people are really sceptical about this one. Am I right? It's for the name alone. Yes. Uh... I think so. this is this is an interesting one because obviously it's coming in from Rocksteady, which is uh, should be very good. Um, we have played some of it. We're not going to talk about that because it's yes. under embargo. Um, but that you know, I, I still think it's an open prospect. I'm I'm much happier about where it's at now. Um, from what I've seen, from what they've released, the newer footage and this new marketing campaign from what they had last time when it was originally slated to come out. I think it looks mm-hmm. it looks like it's in a better place. I think it makes more sense. I'm more intrigued as to how it's actually going to feel to play um, 
you know and for, for me the biggest the biggest thing that we don't know anything about is the boss fights because they're going to make or break this game you could end up with some of the greatest moments in gaming of the year i i genuinely believe if those boss fights feel good look good and nail it and you know if you end up having people going on like streaming um whoever their their group of four friends fighting superman and they have an absolutely amazing time and it's a fantastically well-made game um because and they need that because the the second to second gameplay doesn't really do it for me um from what i've seen right let, let, let me yeah let me help you out the jody the second to second gameplay wouldn't theoretically do it for you if you had if you were in a position where you were able to talk about how you feel about the second to second <laughs> purely going on what i've seen on clips just just based on these today jonesy has watched trailers of this game I have. and interpreted what his opinions on the game might be I have indeed, and I think the second to second what I've seen makes me think this not quite there. But but like I you know, but again, I'm I'm up I'm up to I'm up to be uh, corrected. And no, I'm, I'm 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 kind of weirdly optimistic for it, which I didn't think I would be uh, previously. I know what you mean in the sense that like I don't know what the review embargo is going to look like for this and the kind of like how long they're going to give uh, critics with the game prior to release and stuff like that. But if, let's say, critics got a fair chunk of time with the game prior to release, and then when the review embargo dropped, this game got a bunch of fives and sixes, I would be bummed out. And so in that sense, I know what you mean about, like, there's a capacity for me to still be disappointed, which means, conversely, there's still some part of me that is hopeful that we get the best possible Suicide Squad game and as you pointed out, the best possible Rocksteady game that we can get after, you know, just shy of nine years of waiting, which is outrageous to think about out loud, but such is the nature of the beast. Um, so I'll, I'll keep fingers crossed. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think at the moment. I, th I think this is a, still a game that I may end up picking up um, if it's if all the reviews and everything look good, because I'm, like I said, I'm so I'm so up in the air with where which way I think it's going to go. I think. If those reviews come out and look good, and it is also tricky because if you think about it, it's a service game. You've got uh, you know loot systems and you've got all of this, and you, it's a multiplayer. And so I imagine it's much harder to review and to get the full feel um, for yes. reviewers. Uh, so hopefully, we get reviews that that kind of give us enough information to make an informed decision. But I think this is a game I could I could end up getting in February, playing and thoroughly enjoying. But it remains to be seen. Um, I just chat, I just want to mention it. Someone in chat, Athletic Gravy, just wanted to confirm. So, with a one name uh, after or before the colon, he said the game should be called something like Kingdoms of Amalur colon Reckoning. And I just want to say that is correct. You've got one word after the colon, so that is acceptable. There we go. Sorry, I just wanted yeah. to jump in with that. Kingdoms, um, I'd forgotten Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amalur was even a thing. Um, so there you go. Thank you for bringing that game back to. <laughs> Are you going to go and play that PlayStation 4 remaster, right? That, no. um, well, Jonesy, um, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League might have been a game that was delayed a handful of times. Um, but what was never in doubt was whether or not it was going to take the record, because according to the website massivelyoverpowered.com, uh, delayed publicly at least seven times since, since wow. its unveiling. Um, get ready to sail the seven seas on February 16th as Skull and Bones might finally come out. Crazy, right? Do you reckon it will get delayed again? <laughs> no. I think at this point... I mean, I've been wrong about Skull and Bones before. I think at this point it's like, 
you could release the worst game of the year and people would still be like, yeah, makes sense. So anything above that is going to be, if anything, there will be plenty of people who think consider Skull and Bones a pleasant surprise. Uh, that's the such is the nature of the corner that Ubisoft have backed themselves into with the the disastrous PR record that Skull and Bones has had. I don't, don't they take that as me thinking uh, it will be amazing. I think it will be serviceable, to borrow a word that you used earlier. Um, but I think when you release it, kind of like with Dead Island 2, when you release a serviceable game against all odds, some people will turn around and go, huh, this wasn't a fucking <laughs> absolute hot stinking mess. It, uh, maybe maybe I've got a problem, but I think Skull and Bones looks pretty fun and looks like it'll be decent. But then, but I'm oh goodness. But then, but I think you could have an expensive February, Jonesy, if you keep taking pity on all these games. That for me is one where I would wait like three to four months and see what people are saying down the line because I'm seven delays is awful. We've talked about this game for years and talked about the fact of how badly it's been delayed, all the issues it's had. But but. At the same time, I'm like, hey, I've played Ubisoft do pirates before, and they do pirates very well. And so potentially, excuse me, <coughs> potentially um, it could be a game that's that's very fun, has a lot going for it, and really scratches an itch that a lot of people have um, for, you know, sailing the seven seas. Uh, it, it's what's happened so far doesn't bode well. But hey maybe there's maybe there was weirdness going on, which is what why it was delayed. It wasn't just that it was Terror. Maybe maybe there's an issue with the game development that they solved, and now they've cracked it, and it's very very good. You guaranteed you're not going to see any marketing from Ubisoft around it because they don't like to market games anymore. They just like to slide them out. We'll probably get to March, and then someone will mention that Skull and Bones came out, and we'll, we would have forgotten, and we'll be like, oh yeah, it did come out, didn't it? So we'll yeah, see. I mean, if the Avatar game seemed to disappear off into the sunset without anyone talking about it, then you know. How much hope can you have reserved for Skull and Bones? But at the same time, what Skull and Bones does have that Avatar never had, um, at least in video game terms, is a reputation. And that will count for something. There will be eyeballs on Skull and Bones when that video game finally comes out. For curiosity's sake, if nothing else. And that will contribute to at least a little bit of chatter, but probably not as much chatter, Jody, as gets generated at the end of the month, February 29th, when... What I know is many people's most anticipated game of the entire year gets released, and that is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, the second chapter in the Final Fantasy VII Remake saga. Um, I'll be honest, not because... Don't read too much into this as to what I think about 2024 as a whole, but when you, uh, when you look at games that have concrete release dates and there aren't an overwhelming amount of them at the moment, this is relatively near the top for me in terms of things I'm looking forward to. In spite of the fact that I came away from Final Fantasy VII Remake thinking it was like a 7 out of 10. It was like a 7 out of 10 that I didn't mind. Um, I had some issues with, but not enough to put me off everything I've seen from Rebirth so far, which looks far bigger, far, far more ambitious, tackling a lot more of that world and that story in a way that does intrigue me as a relative outsider to the, you know, the long... The you know, history of Final Fantasy VII. Like, I, I put it this way: when we get to do get to episode two hundred, if we do manage to get Chris back in the hot seat, it'll be very interesting to see and hear what he thinks about this game. Given that he uh, he is a long time and diehard OG FF Seven uh, fan, um, but it seems like it's saying a lot of the right things in terms of the pre-release material so far, and people are excited. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's Final Fantasy VII, isn't it? It's gonna, it's gonna absolutely smash it. There's gonna be people that are extremely excited when this drops. Um, understandably so. Um, not yeah. something I'm really potentially looking forward to. Like I've played a bit of Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I never played the original, so it's not, you know, not. But uh, I shouldn't say. Maybe I shouldn't. Like I've. At some point in my life, I'm sure I'll sit down, finish Final Fantasy VII Remake, and then play Rebirth, but I, I don't think 2024 is the year. Did you start Final Fantasy VII Remake? Yeah, I did, yes. yeah. Okay, you did. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that, that that's a lot of game to kind of like put on your to-do list all Ex- at once. Exactly. Especially yeah. when it looks like Rebirth is going to be fucking massive. Um, like, again, I'm not familiar with the, the OG Final Fantasy VII, so I can't say with any real certainty. But I feel like I've seen some people who have watched and reacted to some of the trailers and pre-release materials we've had so far that have seen, you know, the volume of content from the original game that's been covered in Rebirth and how much it's been blown out by, like, some of the more open areas and kind of how they're trying to tackling the way that world opens up as you progress through the game. Um, and it seems pretty darn ambitious, which is good. It's what you'd hope for. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially as someone who bounced off final fantasy 16 this uh well not this year last year um curious to see if i can hold down another final fantasy game this year um but jonesy i'll be honest if we don't manage to hold things down with final fantasy 7 rebirth moving into march we are not going to be short on uh action action role-playing games from the east because by march 22nd we will have a choice between the highly anticipated sequel from Capcom, Dragon's Dogma 2, and then actually, according to my sources, launching on the same day, Team Ninja's Rise of the Ronin, a PS5 exclusive. So one for all you blue heads out there. That's not actually a nickname, I'm just calling you that. Either of these two tickling your pick? Rise of the Ronin, potentially. Um, okay. it, uh, I think we talked about it recently because it was we had a trailer for it at the uh, Game Awards. Uh, Dragon's Dogma Two, not at all. Although I'm I'm very excited for all of the people that we have in our Discord who are excited for it. So I'm psyched for them. Yes, there are some hardcore Dragon Dogma Two fans out there, and I'm very glad that after years of patience, they're getting a game uh, they've been waiting for for a long time. I also hope, having enjoyed so much Dragon's Dogma adjacent content on YouTube over the years, I just hope that Dragon's Dogma 2 is as funny to watch when being played by people who have a blatant disregard for how that game should be being played (laughs) by making absolute monsters in the character creator and picking up important NPCs and throwing them off cliffs and doing all the kind of the weird, the bullshit that seemed to be extremely prevalent in its predecessor. Um, But yes, I'm with you that Rise of the Ronin, I mean, ever since... I'll be honest, I've cooled on it slightly since it made that really strong opening impression in a state of play live stream that was maybe 18 months ago at this point. I don't actually really remember. I feel like as we got closer to release and we've seen the recent trailers, as you pointed out, the game has started to look a little bit more rough around the edges, might be a bit harsh. It's looking more real. It's looking more like what you'd right. imagine a, 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 you know, a, a Team Ninja game might look like. And I know that I wasn't the biggest fan of neo and so i hope this isn't i hope this is more inspired by ghost of tsushima than it is by uh their work with neo and and the obvious uh, from software inspirations that that series took um otherwise this might be a bit of a tricky one for me but we'll see um and jonesy if we don't manage to find an an eastern action role-playing game that tickles our fancy that we just play princess peach showtime 
which also comes out on March 22nd. We can, yeah, we can dress up as uh, different different people and um, just to solve yeah. little platformy things. I'll be honest, this is the only, as, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the only Nintendo game I put on this list. Uh, that weird like Mario versus Donkey Kong puzzle game is coming out at some point as well, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a, be a banger year for Nintendo Switch users. And when we get to the predictions section of this podcast, we might be able to come up with a couple of reasons why. <laughs> but uh, if definitely, if it looked like there were a year that Nintendo might be cooling things down on the software front, uh, this might be it. So that's just a forewarning to any of you redheads out there. Do you see what I did, Jonesy? I do see what you did. I like it. Now I just need to get a greenhead joke in there, but of course we all know that oh, it would only be possible if Xbox made good gay. No, I'm joking. Um, in fact, uh, coming in spring of 2024, we don't know exactly when, is a game that is very closely tied to the Xbox brand that has been present at a lot of their live streams and big showcases over the years. Hopefully we'll be seeing the uh, release of Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, um, a return, a long-awaited return, to the legendary and iconic and beloved by i'm gonna say beloved by few but heavily beloved by few series uh stalker obviously this game knocked about a little bit jonesy this was one of the games that was delayed and, and impacted by the war in uh, ukraine um uh, as the development team were slightly affected by that mess out there um uh, but fortunately they appear to be somewhat back on track i think there have even been some previews and some uh, games journalists have been able to go hands-on with the game I don't know when in spring we might get it, but hopefully we get another hardcore, super intense first-person shooter to add to the I'm not playing that, but I'm glad people are list in 2024. Absolutely. Um, uh, Speaking of games that I'm glad people are playing, but I'm not going to be Destiny 2. Uh, The final shape is slated for June 4th after Jason Schreier's accurate predictions of a delay. Um... And I think I'm at the point, Jonesy, where I can say publicly, I don't think I'm ever going to play Destiny 2 again. I'm I'm somewhat surprised by that. Like you had a period where you were solidly into Destiny 2 um, after playing a lot of Destiny 1. So, but I I found that the problem with Destiny 2 for me was I I sort of got to the point where it was no longer accessible. Like I I hopped off of it for too long. That so much had happened. I was like, I don't even know where this is at. But maybe the final hey, it's taking its final shape. So maybe if there was ever a time to jump into Destiny 2 and have a final blast, maybe that is then. Yeah. The, the problem is with Destiny 2, and I think there's going to be a problem with the final shape as well, is the hardest thing, as you just pointed out, with any ongoing live service game, especially one with a constantly evolving meta and economy and world and quests and seasons and all these things, is re-onboarding. Mm. And... Every single season and every single year and every single expansion, there'll be an article or a YouTube video from someone that will say, now is the best time in history (laughs) to start playing this game again. The problem is the people who write those articles and make those videos are people who never stopped playing that game and are in no position to tell us whether or not now is actually a good time to re-onboard. I don't care if this one system that you learned at the painstaking way last year has been streamlined this year. You're forgetting that I haven't touched this video game in four years, <laughs> and I have no idea what the fuck to do. I have no idea why I have a vault full of blue guns that are a power level 300 below what I am. What what am I meant to do? What does that go? even mean? What do I, what, yeah. What does it mean? It is, it is what's def- a, what's a subclass? That, I, they almost need 
instead of doing now is the best time, they almost need like video, like, you know, a, a video you can watch in two times speeds that can just inject straight into your eyeballs everything you need to know to get back into it. And it, but it's probably so, you know, so much information that you'd need to take on board that yeah. it'd still be an hour long, even at two times speed. So yeah, maybe not. You know what, Jonesy? If I was a really smart, savvy video essay YouTuber, I'd make a video called now is the worst time to start <laughs> playing your old favorite live service game again. Yeah, this is this is why you'll have no idea what happens when you get into it. Yeah, we get yeah. thinking about starting Final Fantasy fourteen because people said it was good. Here's a hint: don't. Um, but what you might want to start by the time we get to August twentieth, you'll notice that we fast forward all the way here to late summer, such as the glaring absence of games with fixed release dates. But one that does, Jonesy. Another long-awaited title, it feels like we're really rattling off the list of games that have been bouncing around for a while now. Black Myth Wukong. Um, obviously, the Soulsy looking journey to the... Which direction is he going? Journey to the east. West. Journey to the west. Sorry. He's in the but east. I was, I was like, Journey to the west. He's in the east going to the west. Yeah. The game where you play as the monkey, I think, in layman's terms. Yes. finally going to come out. Yeah, this is one that I'm, I'm kind of excited for because it's so... Yeah, Sun Wukong... Um, Monkey King. Um, they, we've had a couple of sort of conflicting trailers. Some of them made it look as though it was going to be a certain type of game. The most recent ones have made it look much more from soft, and it's going to be sort of like hard, may you know, just big hardcore boss fights, something which terrifies me. But the um, source material is fantastic, uh, something that I'm I'm I enjoy. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that I can stick it out for a few hours at least and not just get entirely frustrated just having to grind in order to play this game and enjoy it to any sort of degree and it and it's coming out it's not vaporware which is one thing we thought when we saw the very first trailer so hey there you go exactly um and like i do rather naively with almost all souls like games of this nature like i did it with Lies of P, I don't know, is just a random example off the top of my head. I will still always hold out hope that one of them is going to come out and not be oppressively difficult, and I will just sort of slink in there and have some fun. You know, something that does like that, you know, takes the, the like the the Star Wars Jedi approach of like, yeah, we're going to rip off most of these like most of the ideas here. We're just not going to make it ridiculously uh, hard. Um, that is a great shout. Like that, that. So I'm oh, sorry, I was just going to say like, yeah, no, uh, for all the criticisms i can give jedi uh you know for some things it gets wrong like one thing it gets absolutely right is is if you don't find FromSoft games that accessible it's a fantastically accessible from style game from soft style yeah. game well that's hard to say if you've ever wanted if you ever felt left out because you've never played a game where your character sits down and so, next to some kind of symbolic thing whether it's a bonfire <laughs> or a prayer circle and all the enemies around you respawn then you can get your fix with Star Wars Jedi on the easiest difficulty and you won't have to bat an eyelid. <laughs> Although, Jonesy, there is an easier way to get a reprieve from oppressively difficult games. Uh, if you don't want to play Black Myth Wukong or Rise of the Ronin or Dragon's Dogma 2, or st especially Stalker 2, because you are constantly worried about getting your ass handed to you, then you can embody an extremely buff dude with a needlessly big gun as he murders hordes and hordes and hordes of what I presume is some kind of weird unwelcome alien species in Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2, which should be releasing with any luck on September 9th. This is probably one of my most anticipated like horde shooter games. I'm I'm 
I've played a number with you and with Steph. You know, we've got we've gone in there and we've we've killed some aliens, we've killed some undead, we've we've done it a few times. This just looks epic. Like every trailer for this game just looks like it racks up to a million and, and lets you go ham on people. Um so yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yeah. Re- always really cool when a game that in its like the when you're talking about uh, it's a, the original, the predecessor in this case, was kind of like an a slightly underappreciated but rock solid almost cult hit as a result of like how good it was relative to how much noise it made and how many how many copies it sold being kind of resurrected and taken seriously and given a really solid treatment like watching some of the previews that came out last year um our, our skill ups was the one i remember like a really shiny polished looking warhammer game that like knows exactly what it is and is wholly embracing everything that comes with that 40k mantle and what it means to be a sequel to space marine um should be really cool uh, and that jonesy also brings an end to the list of games we're going to talk about with release dates we know for certain but we do of course have a number of other games that we hope to see in 2022 whether they told us themselves in recent trailers or whether playstation on so uh, told us in recent blog posts because they wanted to put them in a compilation video <laughs> and had to convince we promised this was coming out in 2022 please let us use this to hype you up for the year ahead um how do you want, how do you want to tackle this do i just rattle off some names and and tell me you know if you've got any hot takes to offer yeah sure right now we can start with a game that i'd be very worried if it didn't come out in 2022 because we've been seeing it for years <laughs> uh senwa saga hellblade 2 obviously showed up uh at the game awards just a couple a handful of weeks ago four weeks ago 2022 release date all but confirmed it has to come out this year doesn't it Josie? yes I, I mean, um, definitely. I also think this is a contender for the game of the year um, already. Like, I, I'm, I know maybe that's a bit of a ridiculous thing to say, but knowing its pedigree, looking at uh, the first one, and and obviously imagining they're going to ramp. It's do you know what it is for me. This is like this year's Alan Wake two. I feel okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I can see that. And so, I yeah, I think I think it could definitely be up there. Um, and it has to come out this year, surely. I would hope so. There were reports uh, in the past few days um, that uh, a so-called Xbox Insider, which again, I think is a title that you need to take with a grain of salt, along with everything that comes out of a so-called insider's mouth, <laughs> um, went on a podcast claiming that Hellblade 2 uh, had mock reviews in the low 90s at the moment, which I kind of, uh, as someone pointed out on Reddit, which is where I saw the update, kind of makes sense because... Um, if Ninja Theory nail everything that they've kind of got going for them with Hellblade by making a extremely attractive, polished third-person action adventure game with you know a strong narrative component and some pretty sort of like yeah some some fairly heavy and and, and lofty kind of uh, themes to try and work into an action game of it, of that nature. But if they pull it off as they did in the first game, that it could be really quite effective, especially if they stick with some of the. Um, the really cool design choices they made to kind of enhance the nature of um, uh, the, the kind of emotional journey um, that Senua was going on in that original game, then it does seem like the kind of game that critics would theoretically eat up if it fired on all of those cylinders, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, I suppose at this point it's like it's theirs to lose rather than something they have to fight for, like, because everything it's saying and doing, yeah, I completely agree with you, seems to be going in the right direction, seems to be making all the right noises 
um, I think they'd have to get something pretty majorly wrong for it not to be something the critics fawn over. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, oh, well, actually, I was about to say um, Ninja Theory don't get a huge amount wrong, uh, but that depends on to what extent you're wedded to the original Devil May Cry games and whether or not you remember that name of that multiplayer-only PvP melee game that they made a couple of years ago that has now completely... Well, I'm going to have to look that up, otherwise it's going to annoy me. Does that ring a bell for you? No. It was like someone was like, what if we made Overwatch, but it was a third-person melee-focused game um, rather than... Don't remember Overwatch. that at all. It was called Bleeding Edge. Um, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and development, uh, active development on it lasted less than a year following release. Um, it was not great. Um, <laughs> but Hellblade is better, and we're getting another one of those. So not to worry... But Jonesy, if that's a little bit too traditional, a little bit too mainstream for you, might I entice you with something a little more avant-garde in the form of Baby Steps, which I think, as reductive as it might be, I think is going to be heralded as the... Uh, it's basically going to be called the next Benefody game, and much like getting over it, and other things like um, that game that went viral earlier in the year where you, you just had to... Uh, what was it called? Like, go something up? Where he was just a character just jumping up all these different items that some game developer had clearly just downloaded <laughs> from an asset store and placed them like vertically. I don't um, remember that at it, all. It's just called up. It, yeah, no, I can't remember what it's called. Like going, going up, get up, up or getting up or um, don't remember going up. Uh, PC PC game twenty twenty three. This is the my googling. What was it called? Oh, I don't know. I really hope someone <laughs> knows because. Um, that's good, really. Annoying. It was like one of those games that streamers played for a hot minute, and I think Baby Steps may well be the same. That would be the same, although I will, yeah. But Benefody, far more um, game development pedigree than anyone um, uh, attached to the game that uh, that's name escapes me. As it, far as I know. it looks fun for half an hour, but I think that yeah, On, uh, someone's chess is only up, only up. Thank you very much. Only up. Thank yes. you, Athletic Green. Really appreciate it. A game that was. Um, about ascending to the top of the universe by jumping on all these assets that, as I said, someone had clearly just downloaded from an asset store and <laughs> compiled them all together, ran into numerous copyright issues, which meant they had to continue updating and patch the game to take some elements and assets out and swapping them in with other ones. Right. And I think in the end, they got, like, much like the developer of um, Flappy Bird did back in the day, got so overwhelmed by it all that they just took the game off of Steam and disappeared into the sunset probably millions of dollars richer so fair play to them fair play but, um yeah i would love i want to does wikipedia know how many copies only upsold it doesn't um but yeah wow <laughs> what a weird time may of 2023 um let's get back to something a little bit more uh, traditional then jonesy something that i think uh, caught some people off guard perhaps slightly uh, perhaps our, ourselves included during not quite E3 of 2023, when Ubisoft showed us footage of a game that we knew was coming, but we didn't know exactly how cool it would look, and that was Star Wars Outlaws, which hopefully is, is coming around the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's going to be this year's Order 1886. Oh, don't say that. I thought you would. Look, I thought you were pro Star Wars Outlaws. Uh, I'm pro, I'm pro how it looks. Um, I I'm oh God. I think it's going to be. It's it's a, it's a tricky one. Like um, this, if it, it if it looks the way it looks and it plays the way I want it to play, 
it could be absolutely phenomenal. However, there's just a part of me which is like, no, this is going to look fantastic. It's going to play horribly. And it's going to, it's not not play horribly. Order 18 is going to play horribly, but it's just going to feel like a very hand-holdy on-rails single-player Star Wars game. And it's... And it's there's the, no... But- how can it feel hand holding on rails if it's an open world game? Uh, it depends what they mean by open world. Like it because you can have an you can have areas where it's like, oh, this whole area is open, and you're like, yeah, but there's only one thing to do. So whilst I can run this way, that way, over here, over there, if I've only got one thing to do, then I, and I, that doesn't seem very Ubisoft though. It it doesn't, but because it, do you know what it is? Is that this is and this maybe this is ridiculous. It looks too good for what it is and my then i go to the only way they can man they can the only way they can produce a game in such short space of time that looks that good is if they are very handholdy and funnel you down a, a, a quite a limited path maybe that is open world but very limited open world or maybe that is um open world but uh there's you know not many things to do in the open world so for example like these days you can create a very lush open world and let people run around and explore to their heart's content but then if every time they're going to do like a mission you funnel them through a very specific tight corridor where they're doing very specific things and there's a lot of cutscenes. it's super cutscene heavy i'm like i i i'm there's a little part of me worried it's going to be like that so that's all i'm going to say i'm just gonna put it out. I, fair enough but i disagree completely um i i, I think you are I didn't say it's going to happen. I said it's a fear. I think that I said it's a fear. Worryingly, worryingly baseless speculation, even for you, Mister Dave. You're. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to speculate. We don't even know when it's coming out. You are allowed to speculate. Speaking of games that we don't know uh, when they're going to come out, probably because they might never come out. Some people are stupid <laughs> enough, Jonesy, to believe that Hollow Knight Silk Song uh, might come out this year. I don't know if our old pal Chris is amongst them, but I've got a feeling he is somewhere crossing his fingers right now. Uh, yeah, are, uh, are they going to get what they want this year? Is is twenty twenty four going to be the year for Hollow Knight? I don't, I don't see how, why not. Like it's 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 not like I don't, I don't know. It's this is one of those where I th- a game that you think it's been coming for a while. Um, it seems like it should be eminently um producible, developable in the space of time they've had, and and it's very well regarded and there's a lot of people that are waiting for it i I feel like why would you not get it out this year um i i don't know maybe i I think i i get what you're saying but that's been true for like the past four years exactly which means every year it surely becomes like an order of magnitude more likely to drop like in some respects i'm like i don't know hey i don't know i don't know what issues the development team had if any i don't know if they've had any problem it's i don't know i just I don't. I don't want to do my thing of saying of like making game development sound easier than it really is, and being like, man, it's just a two D platform with roguelite elements. Just bring it out, like, which is kind of what I want to say. Like, I don't think I'm not. But I'm not going to say that. I didn't say that. That was an example of someone who. Tw- that's an example of something 2023 Jonesy would have said, which I'm not saying. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna remain positive, and I'm gonna keep fingers crossed for all my Hollow Knight believers out there, even though I am not amongst them. Uh, moving on, though, a couple of games, Jonesy. That if you'd have asked me 
you know, this time around, the last time we went live for this podcast, whether or not they were going to see the light of day in 2024, I wouldn't have been quite so sure. But if you ask our old pal, Mr. PlayStation, and his uh, and his favorite blog and the hype reels that he makes to promote the year of games coming, uh, apparently these are both slated for 2024, I guess, pending further disappointing revelations of uh, of delays. And that is a pair of highly anticipated remakes in the form of Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater, the obviously Snake Eater remake that is being handled, um, I think, by Konami themselves. Like I can't remember who they sent the like got to um, got to do the uh, the work on that one. And... Oh, Jamie's frozen. The world to say, oh, am I? You're back. I'm back though. You're back. How? Where did you lose me? Uh, just as you started to talk about Snake Eater. Oh no, you're frozen again. I know. Oh, I can hear uh, you. I can hear you though. There we go. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's anyone's guess at this point. We've I, had a I great run up to now. It's been good. I'm glad we got. The, I'm glad we got the body of the podcast in the bank <laughs> before. Uh, shit, because like, yeah, if it had been this the whole time, I would have. I think we'd have had to pack it in and just try again tomorrow or something. And this would have this could have been a famous lost episode for whoever caught it live. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and no, we're we're doing um, it right. You're back. You're back. Snake Eater. Yeah. The only thing I said was that that, that Snake Eater is is coming out, um, and another classic Konami uh, franchise is uh, seeing the light today once again, thanks to the Silent Hill Two remake from the studio that still have the funnest name in video games to say out loud: Bloober Team. Um, uh, it, I think these are two properties that could absolutely be fantastic this year. They could, you know, if you're going to have remakes, these are great games to have remakes of. Um, I for one, I think I'm I'm probably looking forward to Silent Hill two more, purely because it's been it feels like it's been forever since I've played a Silent Hill game, and a remake could be fantastic of Silent Hill. You know, great story, uh, great thing to get your teeth into, scary. Maybe, maybe too scary, but um, no, I think these are two fantastic remakes, and I think a lot of people are going to. We often say that some things shouldn't get remade, or are there too many remakes? I can't think many people are going to be um, unhappy about these two remakes. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be too unhappy about them happening. I hope that there's very little to be unhappy about in the way they're executed. There are always fascinating conversations to be had about like how you handle these properties when you're remaking them and how faithfully you kind of you you go back and and to kind of uh pay your respects to the original a lot of people are already looking at some of the beta i guess or alpha footage of the snake eater remake and saying there's lost some of its charm because some of like you know the the, the you know the original grade and some of the original color palette has has shifted that and of course recently there was that drama with the definitive editions of the gta trilogy where Netflix have now uh, been re-releasing those games on iOS and Android, and people noticed that there's this whole new color work that's been done that's come out of nowhere and isn't present on the PC or console ver- PC or console versions of those games. So it's like, hang on a second, why do like San Andreas and Vice City, especially, all of a sudden look so much better when this version of it that I have on you know the PS5, for example, still looks like the same shit they pumped out a couple of years ago? So it's going to be interesting to see how. The push and pull between the desire for a remake, but also 
the need for creative license for these studios to actually you know have something to get excited about and to contribute to the development of these games versus the desire for something that kind of really pays its respects to the originals it's it it's a must be a very difficult balance i don't really envy either of them but i'm excited for the results much like i'm excited for hades 2 which was a sequel i didn't think would happen because um well i i, I don't know it's a studio that's never made a direct sequel before they seem to love bouncing around to you know maintaining similar art styles and working with you know a similar you know a, a, they you know similar you know cast members and composers um to create a body of work that is all thematically and artistically similar but again yeah never made a direct sequel before so i was slightly surprised when that was announced at last year's game last last year's game awards not the game awards just gone um but hopeful that this is a 2024 release because i mean fundamentally hades is one of the best roguelikes uh, of recent memory yeah uh hades one was great um and i think obviously doing more bigger changing up the um uh, protagonist uh, yeah, look, looks fantastic, um, and and hopefully, hope I can't again. Yeah, it's another game that absolutely I don't see why it wouldn't come out in twenty twenty four. So um, shout out another to another was, another veiled shot at the uh, at uh, game developers. How no, 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 not not a cutesy, artsy, fartsy, two D simple. I can make it with my own <laughs> isometric, simple, blindfolded. Just open up Game Maker and open up a template <laughs> and drag your art. On top of it, you fucking idiots. The only time-consuming thing is the voice actors getting them to do all their bits. But apart from that, it should be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fine. Well, Jonesy, another indie game that you can rip the piss out of is a game that I included uh, just, if nothing else, to rattle the bones of our old friend Steph Murphy, because I know it's a series that he likes. Little Nightmares 3, hopefully seeing the light of day in the coming year. Can't wait for this. Um, like this genuinely really? saw the trailer has looked it. I've only I've played Little Nightmares one. I've not played two. Um, but I, yeah, the trailer came come up. It's now become a thing where you just see like three seconds of the trailer and you're like, it's a Little Nightmares game, and it's and the art style and the it's that sort of sinister look and feel they have. And I'm pretty. Um, I want to say that this is two player, right? Is that what did we see that in the trailer? That it's this going to be two player? Uh, yeah. So, but I, that, that does ring a bell. I think I'm pretty sure that's stored in my in my brain somewhere. But yeah, no. Um, I think I'm I'm ready for some more little nightmares. So yeah, psyched for little nightmares three. Yeah, should be a good one. Another one that again is catching uh, catches people's eyes whenever it shows up, especially as it tends to show up at PlayStation's uh, live streams and PlayStation's showcases. And that's Stella. Oh, lost you for a second. You have your back. Uh, did you hear me say the word Stella Blade? No, you said Stella, but Stella Blade. Yeah, that's the game. Stella Blade. Uh, Stella is the person who used to live next door to my grandma. We called her Mighty Stella for some reason. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of trivia for you, but Stella Blade is... I, again, I don't know if you've been keeping count, but it's another uh, action-adventure game from the Eastern Hemisphere. Do you say Eastern Hemisphere? That's no. not the Hemisphere, is it? Hemisphere's bottom, top and bottom. Eastern side of the world relative to where I am right now. Yes. What's weird about that is if you go far enough east, obviously then the east becomes the west and then the west becomes the east. So it's a bit weird. Yes. Um, <laughs> Geography. Uh, yeah. Hashtag compass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 there's a yeah a little geographical riddle for all of you guys to, to think about and, and to share your thoughts and opinions on the comments down below. I know you'll be riveted to do so. <laughs> uh, still at Blade, on the other hand, 
is that game that yeah we kept seeing at playstation showcases and state of play streams with the very intense fast-paced character action style gameplay being made by as far as i'm know a relative unknown if not a first time developer called shift up but it is of course being published by playstation which technically makes it one of the only kind of i guess first slash second party basically in a very quiet release a quite a very quiet year excuse me for for playstation as the list we've just gone through has exemplified stellar blade one of the only things that they can really hang their hat on for the coming year yeah it's it's it we've said it's a bit of a quiet year this year and um it's it's going to be an interesting one um i don't know anything about stellar blade to be honest so it's it's one of the it's not exactly a year as a playstation level we can get our teeth into but hey hey ho maybe stellar blade will be the one to um make us all smile maybe and if not one game jonesy that i know you will make you smile even if we don't get it this year just by seeing more we of it, won't that's um we yeah we probably won't um because it is another it, it is i'm gonna wait to, before you can hear me again before i say the name of the game i can uh, hear you you can hear me again yep. okay good it's replaced um which uh for anyone don't know it's you might know it is the game that's not that 2.5D pixel art game with really nice lighting and pixel effects. It's not that one. It's the other one. Of it's the other one. It's, it's the one that came out when we realized the other one was Vaporware. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, being made by like a... Was he was he racist or sexist or both? Or the guy who's making oh, The Last Night did something wrong. He did do something, didn't he? I can't... Didn't he comment... So, or just had a, said something online and everyone went, oh, so yeah, no, that was not oh, going to work. Um, apparently he is pro-gamergate and anti-feminism. Right. So then, yeah. So Take it that way you will. So one last night, no, replaced, yes. But so replace is interesting as well because uh, the footage that we saw, like the vertical slice when it was like, is that last night? No, it's replaced. Uh, the devs actually talked about, and, and we were just mentioning before the show, uh, they talked about and said that that wasn't part of the game as is often the case with these sort of like vertical slices. It was stuff that was produced for the um specifically for a like vertical slice trailer they put out so the game is different it's not exactly what they showed off there but it's still true to this 2.5d pixel art style which is every time we see it everyone's like just give us a game like that we just want that game it doesn't have to be um the last night it doesn't have to be replaced we just want that style like volumetric smoke lighting sort of maybe detective noir-esque feel to it like come on Come on. Apparently, very hard genre of game to make. Clearly, unlike Hollow Knight Silksock, where it's just like, guys, just fucking make it. Just make it. Just, it's basically drawn. The PNGs of the character. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. already drawn. Um, but, but I do know you mean it. It's fascinating when at least two studios in this case have clearly realized that this is a very visually arresting art style the kind of thing that you can put that trailer in the middle of a two-hour-long series of trailers and you go, oh, what is this? And yet neither of them have been able to actually get the game out yet, um, which, as you said, clearly speaks to how hard it is to to wrangle all these elements together and, and actually have a solid, fun game at the centre of it all beyond something that just looks good for the sake of looking good. Um, with that, though, Jonesy, that about wraps up all the software that we have to look forward to in 2024 Obviously, barring any shadow drops, surprise releases, anything surprisingly being brought forward, um, 
Uh, and let's be honest, it's more often than not going to be a case of things being unsurprisingly pushed back. So I wouldn't even hang my hat on that many of those games coming out. And of course, needless to say, anyone looking forward to things such as uh, GTA 6 or you know a, a new Bioware game and, and so on and so forth, unfortunately, you're probably going to have to wait till 2025 and beyond for a lot of the the big things that are still rattling around in the background of the industry. It feels like 2024 is not going to be the year, uh, but we might be able to uh, dissect why just a little bit, Jonesy, when we go through some predictions. But before that, any closing thoughts on software? I so I think we we also talked about 2023. How it was a, it was a very good year for gaming. Um, the, a lot of games came out. It was a very big year, and actually, I think the the sort of the more limited scope for release, if I put it like that, that's uh, 2024. Um, is looking like I actually don't think is a bad thing I think it's it's good in some ways to have a little bit of a breather to sort of let uh let gamers you know take take a, the foot off the pedal a little bit when it comes to how much they're actually going to have to play and get through if they if they like to play a lot of the new releases that year it it's I can see why some people would maybe say that it doesn't look like a, a particularly exciting year there's not anything um there's not like any of the massive bangers outside. Like for some people, they absolutely are. Like Hollow Knight Silk Song for some people is going to be that. Like Stalker Two for some people will be that. Um, Dragon's Dogma Two will be that for some people. But it, it feels like there's nothing um, sort of crazy that the entirety of the gaming um, community are sort of like, wow, this is amazing. This is coming out this year. But I, I kind of feel like that's not a bad thing. Um, I feel like maybe uh, yeah. we can we can enjoy a calmer year with more breathers in between games but then maybe not maybe by the end of the year would be it also would have been crazy and there'll be a lot more releases and, and it wouldn't have been foot to the pedal again yeah you just don't know we'll like see. i i haven't rewatched that podcast but i very much doubt that this time last year we sat there in january of 2023 talking about Baldur's gate 3 like we didn't know at that point that it was going to reach its full release we didn't know how well received it would be how critically acclaimed it would be and how that success would last through into the holiday season where it picked up just about every major award going who knows what you know 2024's Baldur's Gate is going to be you know whether it's one of the names games we just talked about or something else in you know completely different the industry can keep you on your toes sometimes um which you know I'm looking forward to seeing um so we will we, we we're going to bring an end we're going to wrap up the podcast by going through some predictions I pulled some predictions that various analysts made on the website gamesindustry.biz. It's a source we've used before. Some of them, as the website um, in question might have you, uh, might suggest, are slightly more business-oriented than we tend to be on this podcast, but we'll try and make it fun and pertinent to you guys. But before um, we get into those predictions, I do just want to actually quickly rewind for just a moment to give a shout-out um, to the people who are the reason that I, even after a four-week-long hiatus we were able to come back to you guys today with another podcast, another live stream, complete with internet disconnections and me getting cut off halfway through saying the name of video game titles. Um, all the AAA production quality that you've come to expect from the Super Show, none of it would be possible without the love and support from the patrons who support us over on patreon.com forward slash Super Show. I know we say it every single episode, um, because it, but that's because it remains true every single episode. Um, a, a new year, a January, would be the perfect fork in the road for people like Jonesy and I to sit down and discuss all the reasons to not continue giving up one evening a week rambling about video games 
um, and the put simply, the reason that we don't, uh, we haven't given up on it yet, is because we haven't given up on you guys yet. Because you continue to support us, and it gives us a reason to keep going. So um, it seems appropriate as we enter a new year and reflect on one that's just wrapped that we say thank you to to everyone that supported us through all of 2023. Whether you chipped in, you know, two dollars for one month to jump in the Discord and say hi, or whether you were on, you know, the highest tiers for the entirety of 2023 and are following us into 2024 uh genuinely um I, uh, i'm sure i speak uh, for both of us want to say thank you for um for keeping us going and keeping us motivated and for giving us a reason to continue to spend another calendar year of our lives as two people in our 30s just about one one person slightly closer to the other end of it than he'd like to admit um uh to talk about video games every week um i'm grateful that we get to do it yeah, no, uh, it is kind of amazing and, and unbelievable that we've been going for this long and, and people have been supporting us this long. So thank you, Jamie. Very well said. Thank you to all of the patrons um, and, and everyone else who supports us as well through comments, likes, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. If you watched or listened to a single podcast in 2023 or just about any platform going, whether you engage with us or not, even if you were just a set of ears or a set of eyes, genuinely, um, it means a lot um, because we could be speaking... Uh, to Annette. we could be that meme right now of the guy trying to explain himself to the brick wall and somehow by some bizarre series of events we are not um and and that uh i'm very uh, grateful to be able to say that um and i'm grateful to all the people who continue to support us on patreon.com forward slash super show i believe there are some names on screen now of some fine folks that have seen fit to go over there and and help us out but i would also like to give a very special 2024 shout out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Isenol Rock Salt, Jesper Camdal Nielsen, and Pastors Guild. And then, of course, we have the big dogs, the head honchos, the members of the board Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Peasward. Once again, thank you all so much. That link one more time, patreon.com forward slash super show. I'm sure you've all heard it before, but I'll say it again one more time. There's different tiers there. There's different awards at all those tiers. If you want to jump on the Discord, if you want to watch or listen to Patreon exclusive content, head over there. Uh, that's where you'll find all the links you need and all the info you need on, on what we've got available. But a huge thank you once again to all of you for keeping the dream alive. And speaking of the dream, Jonesy, I've got a dream that I that I told you about some predictions that video game analysts made on the website gamesindustry.biz.com no .biz and you told me whether or not you thought those predictions were accurate and then at the end we offered some predictions of my own how accurate is that dream going to be to what's going to happen now I think it's really accurate scarily accurate oh, spooky just call me Martin Luther King the way I'm dreaming things into existence um my dream's far more important than his for it's worth. I mean, video, it's not really a debate. Uh, Jonesy, this one. I'm actually, I, I was. Should I read out the names of the people that think these things are going to happen? Nah. <laughs> just, nah do, this, just do the prediction. I mean, it's just it's, it's a great name. I just want to point out that this person is oh, go on, Lisa Cosmas Hansen. Um, Cosmas. And that Lisa Cosmas Hansen. That's a cool and name. Her team at Nico Partners. Um, I ignored a bunch of this stuff because a lot of people in the business world are making predictions about uh, parts of Asia and the Chinese market that we are not super um, equipped to discuss. But how about this for, to start us off? 
a video game acquisition with a value of over $2.5 billion will be announced. And for what it's worth, um, as my friend Lisa Cosmas Hansen points out, a $2.5 billion acquisition would be enough uh, for it to enter the uh, uh, the top 10 largest video game-related mergers and acquisition deals of all time. Um, yeah, totally. Like, un- unfortunately, I think given uh, some of the insecurity in the games industry like the last couple of years i think part of that is like when you know people getting sold and buying other companies and and not just when times aren't great also other times as well but i i I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't if we i wouldn't be surprised if we saw more than one yeah i think i think it's possible i think that i i (coughs) how big they're gonna be i don't know like I, i guess a multi-billion dollar acquisition is definitely possible. I think there. I think if it's. I think if it happens, there's a chance though that it uh, begins to involve. We're gonna have to get more used to seeing companies either on the on the purchasing side or the purchased side that we don't actually recognize at first, especially as they come from markets that we're less familiar with or backgrounds that we're less familiar with, whether that's mobile <laughs> gaming or whether that's um, the Chinese and South Korean markets. Um, that stuff is going to continue to. Uh, be a big deal in the coming year speaking of things that will be a big deal in, in the coming year certainly uh from a consumer facing uh, uh standpoint because we might have to start lining our wallets 2024 will be a year of new console hardware announcements of course here we're talking about a successor to the nintendo switch which we maybe gestured towards when we pointed out that princess peach showtime was the only switch game to make it on our 2024 preview um, and then potentially uh, an Xbox Series refresh and a PlayStation Five Pro, maybe. Uh, I'm going to say semi-accurate. This one, 2024, be a year okay. of new console hardware announcements. I don't think it will be for Xbox and PlayStation. I think it will be for Nintendo. Do so you think basically Switch Two, Switch successor, whatever you call it, yeah, announced this year? Does it release this year? No. Um... Or oh, may, maybe very tail end of this year, but when it comes to, I, I, I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think that we're going to see that with Xbox and, Play, and PlayStation. I think that maybe ne- that'll be next year that we'll see some stuff from them. Okay, I, I, I don't, I haven't really given it much thought yet. I don't know whether it's going to be this year or next year. It will be one of the two, and I think it will be in line with everything we've heard from the leaks and rumors thus far. I.e a PlayStation 5 Pro and an Xbox Series X refresh that they don't call a Pro or and they don't pick out another arbitrary letter of the alphabet to nickname it. Um, but hard, hardware will continue to, <coughs> hardware will dominate the conversation for the next 12 months because Nintendo, I think, are certainly ready to pull the trigger on something. And of course, there's so many install units of the Switch right now um, and uh, there's so much speculation, even as of the last couple of week or the last week or two, that this next console might be something that's sort of like, if if it went if it went NES and then Super NES and then if it went Game Boy and Game Boy Advance and if it went Wii in and Wii U, this is going to be the Switch, not necessarily the Switch blank by name, but the, but you understand the uh, the, yes. the trend that people think it will fall into. I was going to say, do you think it is there a potential? Is that like double thing? But do you think there's a potential that it's completely different? So you know they they went like Wii, then Switch, or Wii U, then then Switch. Do you think there's a potential that they go completely left field? No, and I, I think the reason being is that like 
But the the the, the joke with the, with Nintendo for and there have been consoles that haven't always adhered to this um, is that like when they made traditional consoles like the GameCube or the N sixty four like they haven't always worked and when they've made gimmicks um, they've moved on from the like they haven't been able to find a way to kind of continue revitalizing them in such a way that they can keep them popular but I think that they were right in the transition from the Wii to the Wii U in that like motion controlled games weren't going to continue to run the market I, I think there was a, a limit yep. to that and I think that they were right in recognizing that they were bumping up against that limit they wondered what the the future was going to be they saw what was happening to the tablet market at the time and they went in that direction and it didn't work out it could have worked out but the Wii U had a lot of other problems I think that the hybrid market, especially the sort of handheld first TV mode second hybrid market, is still so massive. There's still so much demand for it, and it's still so untapped, even as you know, Steam Decks and and you know, Acer, Acer's and MSI and all and all these companies chip in with their own handhelds. There's still only one switch. Um, until there's a second switch, I guess. Um, and so I think they're going to continue to operate in that market and have complete control of that market, more or less. Okay, I, I'm going to go. Com- I'm going to go wacky and say a potential for a successor to like the Switch Lite. Yeah, but then a Switch that has no screen. That is no screen. No screen. That so it's just a console. Yes, but a bit in a weird way. So you effectively can take the idea being you take this console with four attachable controllers anywhere you go, and you put it into any screen, and you use the screen. There's something weird like that. This is, I'm just trying to make up something crazy, but that I can imagine they could do. But no, okay. I, I I do admire the the inventiveness. Is exactly what um, a segment like on a podcast. It's got it's got like a button on it. It's not even wired. You don't even have to actually connect in. You just push a button on it, and it takes over like the, the screen nearby, and just like starts playing uh, the switch. In the same way, like you can do like a Chromecast and like exactly. your video signal to it. Okay, so it's it's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds a bit like it sounds high tech in a direction that Nintendo don't usually go. But again, completely missing the point of like. <laughs> why their previous usp had connected with players is also a very nintendo-like move and so the idea that they're going to completely drop the ball and miss the point of why the switch worked as well as it did again if history is taught us anything it's believable i fucking hope it's not like a a chromecast style device but um jesus you've scared me now um let's move on to something let's move on to something that definitely won't scare anyone at all jonesy uh, but I know is a, a a topic that you are very interested about in this industry and beyond, and that's a subject that every single um, single analyst that GamesIndustry.biz interviewed mentioned in one format or another: AI and the idea that generative AI will be implemented into games for players basically across the board this year, and that the volume of games that are be released that get released year on year will in- begin to increase at a startling clip as uh ai not just advances but gets sort of normalized within t- in terms of its usage within game studios um and players basically have no choice but to sit there and eat it 100% like i yeah, yeah no it's hard to deny yeah absolutely and i think the irony is going to be that it's it, at the beginning it might it might not be great and it might be you know where if they're utilizing um 
AI-generated um, voice as well, which I think is going to yep. be very obviously like voice generated, and we'll all be saying, "Please bring back the voice actors." Like we, you know, we're really missing something. Um, but I think when you have NPCs which can respond in real time to things your characters are doing, I think people are going to absolutely love it. I think RPGs is one of the things that will revolutionise um, because you know, rather than and, and all the memes of of the uh, repetitive um, uh, voice. Um, bits of dialogue that are just re- like repeated again and again and again it'd just be a thing of the past and, it'll been, and within sort of five years I think it'll be a case of like no one even remembers it it'll be nostalgia to be like oh yeah. everyone used to hear a line more than once and it'll be gone so such a weird thing to try and envisage and like there's a kind of like a push and pull within me where like objectively speaking that makes games better but does so in a way that I can still see why some people are very reserved on how it should be used and why it should be used. It will make some worse, and, for sure, in the short term, especially. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing that at the moment with artwork all the time, where, like, mm. every week it still feels like there's a major company or brand that's being called out for, like, hey, why are you? Why did you lay off 10,000 people last year and then uh, simultaneously just release a piece of, like, AI-generated artwork in your newest, you know... <laughs> yeah. Twitter post or whatever it was, and was it who was it the um, was it Magic the Gathering that got in hot water this week because they replied being like, yeah, it wasn't AI generated, you're wrong, and then people were like, it's obviously AI generated. Look at this, 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 and this, and then afterwards they were like, we apologize, you're right, it was actually AI generated. We didn't realize. <laughs> I love that we didn't realize, and we're the ones who said no, it wasn't. I, I think I think it, I think it might have been outsourced, and right. they probably they and they they blamed it on the fact that. AI generative tools are now integrated into traditional um, image, you know, image re-editing or image creating software like Photoshop, and so they didn't yeah. realize that they were they, they didn't realize that they were doing it. And yeah, it, you could so absolutely really excuse, but. no, you could totally be like, oh no, a, a graphic designer did this. I I sat and watched them doing like yeah, but they used generative AI to to create this 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 asset. So it, it's it gets very tricky. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one, but no, I, I think this is gonna. It's just gonna ramp up from here on out. So yeah, I, I, I've, I'm afraid you're right, and it will be messy. And one thing that it will not help, Jonesy, if uh, if if there is a, a large scale uptake in the usage of generative AI in certain departments, is uh, the potential potential for increased layoffs. Obviously, 2023 was a horrific year for layoffs across the industry. Some analysts speculating that layoffs will continue into 2024 as while the game industry will grow, it will uh, not grow uh, at the same rate as inflation. And also there may still be studios who have hangovers from uh, issues such as uh, overhiring during uh, the boom scene during the COVID uh, period. Um, tough one to talk about uh, because it's, it, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it, if you do think it's going to happen, it's 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 not a pretty subject to have to discuss. But um, do you given, think it's going to be? A- given last year, it's hard to see that it won't carry on. Um, like yeah. nothing. No, last year was a good year for games, but it was also like I think there's so many more games coming out now, and there's you know the industry is so much bigger that in some respects it you know it, it seems like unfortunately it's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. Um, so I, and I, yeah, I can't see that anything changed last year that's going to have stopped that. Um, 
unfortunately. And and, and as we just said, AI is just going to make it worse. As companies just, as companies start to say, hey, an AI can code this for me. Hey, an AI can d- d- develop this for me. Hey, an AI can produce these assets yeah. for me and these these models is, yeah, it's, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, I think it's going to exacerbate the issue for sure. Exactly. And another uh, situation that might be exacerbated by exactly what you're talking about is the idea or the prediction rather that non-game companies will deepen their involvement with games. Um, the idea that, as you said, the industry is expanding, more people are interested in video games. The industry still has, and rightly so, the reputation uh, for generate, uh, generating a lot of revenue. Um, as the barriers to entry continue to l- lower and we see, um, you know, traditionally, like, you know, Film, film and TV focused uh, companies like Netflix get more interested in games. You have Elon out there talking about how he wants people to stream games directly to X as a platform. Lots of talk around you know other companies in video, sports, music, social media, as well as fashion and e-commerce um, looking to games as a way of deepening engagement um, and also also building up IP uh, through certain strategic partnerships. Um, how big a how big how big a talking point do you think that's going to be? It seems inevitable it's going to happen. I guess do you think it'll be a talking point in twenty twenty four or something that we just start to see the rumblings of? I'm going to say rumblings of. Like you, you, you're seeing yeah. it already, yeah. um, as you've said. Yeah, you're also starting to see more people talk about, um, you know, um, ideas like everywhere. Uh, or like actually creating the world from Ready Player One and having these hub world. So it's almost like get um not it's almost like gaming adjacent because you can have these social hubs where people are getting together. So it's like it's it's a I suppose it's a coming together of um social media, video games, um the meta metaverse, and as all this stuff starts to come together, I think gaming obviously is is the Again, like the crux of it, because at the end of the day, you still need an avatar, you still need mechanics and all of that. I think that's going to grow. But I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think rumblings this year. I don't think it's going to be like a massive year for it. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix will probably be the biggest one because they've already started and they're doing well and they're getting some traction. Um, but yeah, no, uh, in, interest, it'll be an interesting year because I think it will give us a good idea for the next three to five years off the back of this year. But I don't think this year will be particularly big. Yes, I agree. Although it is interesting to hear you mention uh, everywhere there, obviously, uh, one of the uh, many games out there with very ambitious live service plans, um, and in some cases even going beyond the realms of the traditional live service game. But there is at least one um, analyst out there, Jonesy, predicting the end of live service domination and market saturation. And to give a bit more context here, I can read what they say. Live services will continue to be massively successful and dominate top play and grossing charts, undoubtedly. But not every studio will want to develop a live service game anymore. Developers and publishers will pivot back to premium game development. Oversaturation in the PC and console markets is evident, with a handful of titles monopolizing playtime. 60% of playtime is eaten up by 19 games, and 75% by the top 33 games by playtime. Obviously, one of the things that's happened in the four weeks that we've been away is Naughty Dog went out there and confirmed that The Last of Us Online, whatever you wanted to call it, is officially dead. They put out a very interesting statement that obviously we couldn't comb through at the time as we didn't have a podcast that week, but they essentially put out a statement. I don't know if you read it. I don't know if you read it, rather. But they said, 
that they sent that felt like they'd reached a fork in the road where they were looking at the amount of time and resources they'd have to commit to that project and said we felt like we've got a decision to make are we about to become a live service studio or not and they decided they didn't want to be one and they have essentially reverted back to their more traditional AAA premium title you know game plan um and that game is completely dead um do you think we're going to see more of that, more companies that maybe were heading in a live service direction say, we can't compete with that playtime that we, you know, I just outlined there, and we're going to go back to the premium game development focus I, and try and put, you know, try and sell games for $60 again? I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> I think me it's, too. It's funny because I think live service, excuse me, <coughs> I got a bit of a cough. Um, Live service, I think, is probably one of the things that gets pushed by the money men to be like, we these people are doing this. We need to do this. Look how much money they're making. I think there's now enough data points to show, yeah, look how much money they lost. There's enough companies that have lost a crap ton of money attempting to do this. And we've had games that have only been live services for a year. They're supposed to be 10 years, 20 years, and they've existed for a year. And then the servers have been shut down. And it's like, no, it's dead in the water. Um I think the idea that you know it was it was kind of like with battle royales. Everyone thought they could make a battle royale style game. Everyone thinks they can do this. Everyone thinks they can do that. And and some companies can't. Some it won't work. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think that some of those big companies, that, like you said, Naughty Dog, are just going to turn around and go, uh, yeah, you could potentially make billions of dollars, but you could also potentially just you're more likely to lose it. Uh, why don't we stick to what we know, stick to what we're good at? And so, yeah, I, I hope I hope there's a, re a reduction in it and that more more people don't do it because it. I think they thought it was easy money-making and they've been right. shown that's not true. So, yes. All the, yes, it, like, yeah, exactly. As we, as we outlined there, it's just too hard. It's like beginning a life as a streamer now and then you're reminded <laughs> yeah. that, like, the amount, the, the percentage of people who stream on Twitch who earn above minimum wage is like 0.1%, and you go, ah, oh, actually the numbers don't quite work out in my favor. Um, and of course, for a lot of people, studying Twitch streaming doesn't cost anything but time. Developing a massive live service video game costs a lot more than just time. It costs time and money. Two very valuable resources, Jonesy, as it turns out. So it might lead to some people in the live service game looking for other routes to try and draw people back into games that are maybe losing audience or to try and, I don't know, tickle people's fancy. And one word that's flying around a lot when people look at how some games and companies might look to do that is nostalgia um, and leveraging nostalgia within a live service framework to uh, try and draw people back. People looking at the likes of World of Warcraft Classic and, of course, the phenomenally successful return of the OG map in Fortnite. Do you think we begin to see people go d back down that road where, like, there's, a, I mean, there's old school RuneScape, Warzone constantly swarmed by rumors that they're going to bring back Verdansk, uh, the original Warzone map, at some point. Um, There'll be some of it. There'll okay. be some of it, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be. But not like a twenty four twenty four defining trend. No, I I don't think yeah. so. I think I think we'll see more new stuff than we will old stuff. Yeah, fair enough. And then speaking of uh, new stuff that could ties directly into old stuff, what you do sometimes see uh, in any given year is the massive massive successes of two to three years ago beginning to be felt in the games industry now as games that were rushed into development at the time finally start to rear their heads. 
Of course, in the early stages of 2022, we experienced the earth-shattering success of Elden Ring. Some analysts speculating that some companies would have seen Elden Ring and say, hey, green light an open-world Souls game right now, which is going to result in a flood of open-world Souls games releasing in 2020-2024 and beyond. Do you think that this will be the year that we see, rather than the Souls-like, the Rings-like take hold? Um... Maybe I don't. I'm like the so I, the the souls like open world thing is is. I mean, if we were going to see it, I feel like we all, especially for this year, we would have already seen. We've already got a lot that have come through, but I feel like that was more of a last year thing as well. Like the and and we will get some. We are having some this year already that we know about, but not yep. not not Elden Ring specific, like not open world souls like specifically. I don't. I think maybe that's easier said than done. I'm sure some people said it and thought it was a great idea, but but I, I don't know. Putting together open world souls like, and especially with how well they managed to like weave those two things together with and yeah. have it almost be like emergent. Like I don't. I don't know. I could imagine that some people suggested it, but I think it's it's too big, too costly. I I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that some some uh, devs cancelled games. That, that was yeah, supposed yeah. to be like that. Um, I can't think of any. Can, can I can't think of any other open world Souls like games that we're expecting to see drop this year. Uh, or do you mean do you mean they mean announced this year? They're saying games that will be announced to maybe, come out in years to maybe come. Maybe maybe announced this year. Maybe maybe sure. maybe a couple announced this year, but I don't think there's going to be a massive amount. Yeah. Plus, like the timeline doesn't seem. I, I don't want to shoot any fire any shots at this analyst, but two years. Doesn't seem like you're giving yourself a huge amount of time to see and be inspired by Elden Ring, greenlight your own Elden Ring clone, and get that from you know zero to sixty, yeah, you know, like in two years. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Do you would you do you think there will we'll see any any in particular? I, I, I don't. I don't think we'll see enough that we begin to notice the trend shifting away from Souls likes and into Elden Ring likes. I think it will still right. just all be caught under those same list of monikers that we've already got from souls like to souls born to from software like we're just going to keep using the same names i don't think we're going to start acknowledging that oh now they're open ring world like. because elden ring came out plus again nothing that nothing that's going to get released this year that's of any substantial quality will have been like unless there are games that were deep in development that saw elden ring and took a like a 45 degree turn to become more like that right it's possible this year but nothing that started development in 2022 and has the same scale and scope and ambitions as Elden Ring is going to be particularly ready to go. I mean, it, 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 put it this way, they're making DLC based on like the, 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 the spawn from the game that they've already released, and that's still not out yet. So how are you, how are you making an Elden Ring game in the time it's taken them to make DLC for an Elden Ring game they've already made? I, I can see may, maybe Black Myth Wukong is a game that could have had a pivot because I, I I think that was like I don't know if it was open world but like partially open world and obviously it's got that um I think it's just always looked like for the like soul well open in the same way Soulsborne games are open that like there are some like it, there's a freedom in, of movement and like choices and paths and areas and zones but I, I've, that game's never looked open world to me. No, no, I'm I'm saying if there was a game which took a pivot and they went, no, I want it open world. I I may I could potentially see that as one, yeah. but 
but I'm such a massive pivot, though, isn't it? Like, it is a big. You look big at what pivot. Elden Ring was, and it's like you don't do that accidentally. You don't become no. an Elden Ring game because you're like, ah, let's try that. Like I look at Elden Ring and I think, Jesus, fuck. Like I didn't even love Elden Ring, but there were points where I like looked at what that that world looked like. You know, stood on certain cliff edges and looked out into the distance. I was like, good god, like <laughs> this yeah. is outrageous. Um, it's, it, I'm, it, I, let me be totally honest. I'm someone who could do with a reduction in the number of Souls-like, roguelike <laughs> sort of games that that are coming out. I, I, I'm keen for uh, other types of games to start bubbling up and taking. Over. I mean, Jonesy, I don't know what I, what you want from the industry at this point because we just went through everything coming out in 2024 that, that we know about with some certainty. And the two time, two closest times you came to saying you were going to buy that, buy a game with Suicide Squad and Skull and Bones. So at this <laughs> point, you're an, you're an enigma. Uh, yeah, I guess. So. And also, also that's not true. You were probably hottest on. I don't know. Space Marine Two sounded like it was uh, wetting your whistle a fair bit. I think Black John, I think Black Myth Wukong out is up there for me definitely. Which is I've just completely blown away what I've just said about like a Souls like, but. And I'm ho- I'm really hoping Star Wars uh, Outlaws is fantastic. But no, Senna uh, was Sagas, Hell, um, Hellblade Two. That's that's up there as well. So I've I've got a range. I'm a complex human being, mate. I've got a range. You're a, you're a, you're a multifaceted individual with you know with different moods and emotions, and yeah, you, you 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 know you're, you're layered. You're like an onion. I'm like an onion or parfait. Yeah, you're like a part. Like my, that's my favorite Shrek quote. Ogres are like parfaits. <laughs> Um, all right, with that, Jonesy, that about wraps up getting you to react to the um, analyst predictions that we pulled courtesy of gamesindustry.biz there. Um, so unless you've got AOB, get it, any other business, to share with the folks at home, I think we put a bow on this bad boy and get 2024 off to a rocking start. I'm with the three minutes before we get to two hours 30 that we've been recording this pod. Jesus Christ. I would I would love it if you could give me two predictions of your own. Do they have to be? But then I feel like a lot of the predictions we just went through kind of defined um, my. Okay, I I think I think we are go I think we are going to get another GTA Six trailer this year, but okay. I think it's going to come a lot 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 later than people hope for. Like end of, like end, end of the year, year. Cl- close to a whole year of waiting, and okay that. And I think that trailer will confirm a delay into early 2026. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So people are going to be double annoyed. Yes. Right. Um, and I think that I'll, I'll, I'll formalize what I was saying about Nintendo earlier in the form of a prediction. I think a new Nintendo console will be announced and released this year, and it will be a, a Super Switch in all but name. Super, um, and they're 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 going to double down on um, on what made the switch work and what appeal what made it appeal to so many different households and families in, in its hybrid nature and stuff like that. But they are still fundamentally going to make a console. It's still going to be hybrid. It's still arguably for most people going to be handheld first. Um, and lots of the things that we've been hearing about its ability to use, you know, various upscaling technologies akin to like a DLSS. Uh, are going to be accurate, um, I, but I think there will be room for some uh, traditional N- Nintendo bullshit somewhere, and I think that somewhere is going to be the way it handles 
not necessarily backwards compatibility, but I think there are going to be a lot of games that people hope look or run better on the, this new Switch by virtue of how much more powerful it's going to be. And Nintendo will, you know, are going to instead use that as an opportunity to squeeze money out of people rather than giving them a higher resolution, higher frame rate Breath of the Wild, for example. We're going right. to be paying for that shit some way, some way or somehow. Of course, yeah. If it's if it's Nintendo, then we absolutely will be paying for it. Yeah, exactly. It's not so much of a prediction as much as it is just reading the room. Um, <laughs> what else have I got? Um, I think I think Konami are going to um, absolutely. Oh, I'm going to be careful what I say here. I think Konami are going to have a not disastrous but frustratingly underwhelming re-entry into the games industry as both Silent Hill 2 Remake and Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater are met with um, not, like, slightly underwhelming and uh, at best reserved praise. Uh, okay. And and, and and that the story will continue that Konami are, has hold some of the best IPs and are doing all the wrong things with them. Um, um, I don't know if I've got anything else. Um... Here's, like, here's one that I, here's one that I hope for. Yep, uh, and it's just blind hope because it just seems so bizarre that nothing else is happening. I think Sony have at least one ace up their sleeve in terms of their more traditional first party output that people are hoping for. Whether that comes in the form of a game that gets released this year or a game that rock, get, like is announced this year that rocks the world, like this is going to be the year that Sony say, like we're kind of wasting our time. We need to get like. A trailer for a The Last of Us Part Three, a Ghost of Tsushima Two, something that really kind of like sends a shiver down the back of most PlayStation fan spines. That that's going to happen this year um, because they're running out of choices. You can't tell people to look forward to Concord and and what and Stellar Blade. Like you got to do something. Okay, I like it. Some good predictions. There you go. There's a few randoms mass yes mattering do you have anything you want to add to the prediction bar um i'll, I'll add a couple comp uh, out of left field i'm gonna say another big tech company are going to join the games industry in the same way kind of way that netflix and amazon have done you know they're going to either buy a studio start developing games or they're going to they're going to start doing something like that i don't know who but some do you know will. Do you know which which industry they'll be from? TV, social media, uh, for maybe a, maybe a film production company. Oh, I, I think it'll be. I think I think it'll be like software or hardware. So so, but no, maybe not. Do you know what? All right, there we go. I'm going to say um, Elon Musk is going to do it. Elon. So it's going to be saying X connected. I know we said he wants to stream games to X. I will, I think maybe X will create have their own game studio um get into that market uh you gotta spend money to make money yep another okay another one let's it's okay <laughs> titanfall 3 is going to be announced oh jonesy don't play with my heart <laughs> okay uh and final one let's say something big um from xbox and halo i mean big interesting I, I have no idea what it won't won't necessarily be a new game um but it, no, i suppose it has to be a new game though, doesn't it i don't know i feel like there was something just has to be something big we obviously had the halo series last year 
Um, Halo's not in the the game franchise isn't in the best place, but may, I, there'll be something to do with like the Halo games that will be announced. Okay. I don't know what. Okay. No, I, I like it. That's what hey, that's what predictions like this are all about. You just we're throwing darts at a dartboard with you know our other hand tied behind our back and a blindfold <laughs> on right now. Um, that's there the you market. go. Alrighty. Um, well, if you have any interesting predictions of your own or anything to say about any of our predictions or those of the fine folks who contributed to gamesindustry.biz, then let us know. You can reach us in all the usual places in the comments section if you're watching on YouTube. You can join us this time next week live and tell us in the, in the, in the, uh, in the comment section there, in the chat, as the streamers would say. Um, isn't that a W? Um, Josie will be reading it next week. I'll sure. tell you what, I'll, I will... Um... I'll request that people put any predictions into the chat on this week's, and then what I'll do is I'll make a doc with our predictions from today, um, the predictions, oh, no. the predictions from the analysts, and the predictions from uh, chat, and then we'll keep it because we don't normally do this, but I'll, we'll keep it safe, and then we'll look at it and we'll do that as the first show of um, or maybe the last show of this year or something, and we'll go back through the predictions and we'll see uh, we'll see who who nailed it, who missed. Uh, yeah, and where we're there you at. go. There you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll give Chris some homework so when he's on 200, he needs to come at us with some predictions as well. I'm I like it. We'll collect uh, predictions from left, right, and center. <laughs> so if you want to get involved, comment section on YouTube, hit us up on Twitter, maybe even uh, consider joining the Discord and convince us out over on there. Um, all things that you can do and all things that would be supporting us. Um, and until then, um, we are going to be back here, same place, same time next week for another super exciting edition of the Super Show, where, because it's the month of January, we'll have had no new games to play, <laughs> no news to talk about, but you better bet that we will waffle through internet disconnects and all <laughs> for another two hours. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, then we hope you'll join us. Until then, have a great start to 2024, he says, on the 8th of January, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Cheers, everyone. See ya.